What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 155. I am your host, Anthony Trapney. How are y'all doing this week? I hope you're having a great week. I am joined by a resident homie. I got Casey Howard with me. What's going on, Casey? Uh, let me unmute. Hey, let's go. <laughs> and uh, to, today we're joined by a very special guest, somebody who uh, uh, I, I came across in my early years well yeah my early years of knowing about technical death metal i was uh, he he came in the unique leader dump of of a compilation that i've probably cited many a times on the show uh sod magazine would give a compilation with their magazine and one month was unique leader and psychroptic was on there and and it was a very standout track on that compilation and it was mainly due to this man's voice and i want to introduce y'all to matthew chalk aka chalky what's going on dude we got frozen up oh, he's he's coming from uh australia so maybe we're we're having a technical difficulty but we got him here uh as soon as we figure out how we're gonna get him back Forward. on yeah, it's all right. But what up to the live folks, everybody? Uh, yep, here now. Bad connection. Um, yeah. um, until uh, he figures um, that out, I'll uh, say yeah. what up to all the live folks and all the. Uh, it's cutting out. There he is. Uh, every time we're giving him a little space, it freezes up. I'll run through the plugs real quick. Let's do that. Battleforgecoffee.com. That's where you go for the coffee. That's the homies and deeds of flesh. Looks like Casey might be enjoying a cup right now. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, dude, it's good coffee. It's our friends. And they've been, all been on the show. We've all collaborated in the past. This is where we want you to go for your coffee. Uh, Cali or no, uh, generator rehearsal stop <laughs> generator rehearsal studios.com is where we would want you to go if you're looking for a place to jam out in uh, the SoCal area, Oceanside, um, Oceanside specifically, and yes. uh, get your jam on over there. Uh, Cali death podcast.bigcartel.com is where you go if you want to support the merch fund of this show that literally is us making more money to make more merch so you guys want to see some new things keep buying those shirts and you can get them at calidespodcast.bigcartel.com um i'm gonna plug oh, there it is i thought someone deleted it there it is <laughs> Boom. yay all right couple, couple of shirt designs um last thing a new random plug uh i didn't have you ready for any oh there he is what's up joseph yeah, sorry, my computer crashed when I was trying to join. Uh, no worries. Uh, we had to use the outro as the intro because we didn't have, but it's all good. <laughs> uh, sorry, I made one. I thought I sent. Oh, really? It. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. No, I, I never mind. Earlier, I, I was working all day, man. I, I hit asked you to up a little bit. Doesn't matter. Who cares? All right, we're here. So uh, we don't here. have a flyer for it, but uh, for everybody, I just want you to go out to uh, Vox and Hops. Check them out on yeah. the podcast platform you guys listen. Uh, the newest episode is with me 
I had the pleasure of sitting down with Matt from Cryptopsy. Uh, yeah. Talked for a little bit over a beer at a at a brewery that was right next door to the venue they were playing that night. Great show that night too. So it was fun all around, and we got to get a quick little podcast in before they started the show. So um, that conversation is the newest Vox and Hops episode. If you want to hear more of me talking outside of this <laughs> and uh joseph you got any shows or anything dude uh yeah that awful fest o-f-f-a-l not a-w-f-u wait u-l yeah <laughs> awful like uh awful. i don't know what the definition is off the top of my head but um yeah oh you know what i uploaded it where the hell is it? Oh, it's because we did um, Zoom last week. Okay, so anyway, uh, to finally vomit returns, uh, UK show next uh, year in July. So Europe, we're coming back. Nice. That is what I'm plugging. That rules. Shout oh, out yeah. Diego. Um, shout out everybody in to finally vomit, and shout out Rancid Awful Productions. Hell yeah. And and while we're on the plugging, thank you, Guttural Reef, in the chat for reminding me. I I mentioned it on the Vox and Hops episode. I never plug where you can see this or hear this. If you want to see this live, it's at the twitch.tv slash podcast. And if you want to see the video, if you're just an audio listener of uh, YouTube, it's uploaded on our Cali Death Podcast YouTube page. And if you're a video and you just want to listen, then you can go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else. But yeah, I never plug that stuff, and 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 I want to start plugging it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny that we do this live, but we never really tell anybody that we do do it live. We are live a lot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> every week, dude. Every Thursday. <laughs> um. But yeah, dude, we're having uh, some technical difficulties with with uh, Chalky, and I mean, I'm drinking non-alcoholic beers tonight too. I'm trying to stay sober for a bit. Hell yeah, dude! Let's well, see. California sober, still smoking plenty of weed, but hell yeah. Um, so you've been uh, you've been jamming with Lucy and stuff. How are those shows recently? You did a show or a show with Zenith passes, right? Yeah. 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 That was good, man. Yeah. That was a good show. Um, Zenith passage were awesome. They played like a lot of the new material from data Elysium. That was cool to see. It's great to see Chris shred Hell along, yeah. Shout the, out you know, Chris. along with the other all time legends in the band. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that was the last show I did. Um, and I, oh, can plug that last of Lucy are playing another show in December in Orange County at Stages in Santa Ana. It is Ruin Fest on December 9th. They've been slowly rolling out the lineup. I don't know if the headliner has been announced yet. I don't even know who we're playing with apart from who's been announced yet. So I'm as excited as everybody else to see who we're playing with. But yeah, that'll be a good one in December. So last nice. Lucy show of the year. Killer, dude. Yeah. Uh, so when 
when you jam with Lucy, are you guys working on newer stuff that uh, do you guys even have? Do you guys play new material that isn't on any albums when you play live right now? Yes, we nice. play uh, half our set is from the forthcoming release that is called God Form and will be out on Transcending Obscurity Records early next year. But Killer. we've had it for a while. So, yeah, we're stoked on it. Sick. Is uh, Casey Chalky having issues? Oh, he's, he's muted right now still. Um, so with the Zenith Passage stuff, uh, it, I was just thinking about that. You know, Derek's been a homie for a long time, and we met everybody else you know, through the show and stuff, but we kind of had this, I had this quick or not quick, but earlier connection with Chris. So I kind of look to Chris in the band more like I, I I'm kind of rooting for him, even though he's the guy who joined later. I, I kind of just, am like, I always am stoked to see that he's flourishing in that environment, you know? Absolutely. Um, in fact, he dropped some news that I can't reveal about what Zenith might be up to next year. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're getting another big thing under your belt. So, mm -hmm. you know. Um, hey, dude. They deserve it, dude. Dude, Chris is so cool, man. I love you, Chris, wherever you are. Shout yeah, out. Yeah, I love Chris, too. Dude. He's been nothing but positive vibes all the time they, uh, I've interacted with him. The Dreamer guys went and saw Ulcerate last night in L.A., and I was sad to have missed that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you are down with Ulcerate. They're oh, like a yeah, big, big band for us, for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely enjoy that band. I enjoy that scene. I haven't uh, dove head first into all the dissonant tech, you know? But I've I've scraped the surface uh, or gotten below the surface enough to find um, good stuff. And Ulcerate was one of the earlier bands that stood out. Like, whoa, uh, this is this is something that this is a genre that I need to start paying attention more to. You know, and yeah. it all kind of stems from Gorguts, really. It does. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't be shy. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it really does get like they that. That's what's beautiful about Guts is that, uh, or any band of that, that, that has that similar thing that's happened where they took, uh, creative, um, chances, uh, come up with something great. And then it actually is the seed to a whole branch of the everlasting tree that is metal, you know, for sure. And it's and now, a solid branch. Now I think Ulcerate are kind of their own Gorguts, so to speak. Like mm -hmm. there are a lot of bands doing that. And I think they look to Ulcerate as one of the more elders, uh, oh, statesmen yeah. of that style. Um, and I saw them like 2015 or 16 when they might've been their first time in America. I don't know, probably not, but um, it was definitely the last time they were here. So that was like seven years ago. So it's been a long time. Um, and Jamie St. Murat is like one of my big influences as a drummer. So, yeah, I mean, 
hopefully they come back maybe a gorguts ulcerate tour at some point two bands that i missed this year that i would love to see again it's uh you made me think of just like the second waves of things and how if we look at uh you know a genre like black metal for example my i like the second wave of the second wave the the second wave was the shit but what spawned after that is really where um you know it get things get played with and and sculpted and and moved around and and uh you really get to see something get you know blown out and and really worked with and and so it's just it makes sense you know we got the gore guts is like the first or you know second maybe second wave there's probably dissonant stuff before in extreme metal before that i mean immolation for sure i was gonna say immolation or the other kind of touchstone band for that stuff right and yeah i think that uh when yeah those second waves or when it really starts to at least pick up speed yeah yeah, i hear you i think shout out to the vocalist of surreption who talked about you can invent a genre or you can perfect a genre and it's second wave that tends to do the perfecting of a style and that is a hugely important thing what's up Mm -hmm. dude what's up matt matthew chalk can you hear us? Matthew Chalk. We've got the intro if we want to just give this one a fresh start. <laughs> it's uploaded. Go for it, man, if you want to. Can you, can you just yeah. if you can hear me okay, though? Yeah. I really have myself in my... Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we can hear you. All right, here we go. Let's start this. back we got the proper intro in for this man here uh matt what's going on chalky can you hear us bro i can hear you now (laughs) all right cool (laughs) how are you bro yeah not too bad too bad a little bit of lag let's be more excited if this was working not easy. Ah, dude, we've had we've had technical difficulties throughout this whole thing, dude. It, to be able to connect from across the planet, it's it's a miracle that we're able to do it in the first place. So, big old lag. <laughs> um, damn, this is gonna make it difficult if we have that lag. Um. Either way, let's try and work with it. If, if it doesn't work, we can always try and do something else. But thank you so much for giving us your time, Chalky. I, like I was saying in the beginning, um, you came 
along with the rest of the unique leader dump that I got from uh did we lose him again? Darn. It's all good. Yeah. I I uh with the track record, even though uh we've had technical difficulties, we haven't had many where it completely wouldn't work. So <laughs> eventually is he gonna is he doing like the whole computer restart thing right now? Uh yeah, he's trying some different setups. So we'll okay. uh yeah. Unfortunate we didn't get a chance to test it out before. Um and Joel's I guess not here. I didn't know. So we're kind of last minute on this. So unfortunately it's all good. I'm I'm trying to hold all my so. psychroptic talk and all that yeah for when he's on. So um we, yeah, but we were, what we were talking about before he jumped on, what was Sorry. it? Either way, dude. Thanks for everybody in the chat who's hanging out with us right now. Um, we'll get to the. Let's see what the chat's doing right now. We, we got, got uh, we got some shout outs to the legend kings. Uh, I guess that's us, and then we've got. Oh hell yeah! We got the Ian in here. Shout out, Ian. We got Machete, oh, Machete Eddie. Eddie. I see Sam Lanyon. What up? Want to get Sam on soon? Uh, Joel's in there. He's on a plane. He's up near the top. Yeah. This motherfucker. Globe trotting instead of being on the show with us, dude. If you got internet <laughs> to uh, hit us up on uh, the chat, dude, you should be in here right now on the plane, dude. <laughs> yeah, he should be. Uh, he's going to Vegas, I think. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. I don't know what he's going there for, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just reading through the comment. Dude, Machete Eddie, dude, you never got into Gorguts, or you never actually gave it a listen? One of the two. Um, I f- would find it a little strange that, well, no, I shouldn't. That's me being elitist. If, you, if you're not getting into Gorguts, you're not getting into Gorguts, but... I just th- would think that, you know, you would you would find something in there. Well, I I am I have this somewhat heterodox opinion within the technical death world that I'm not as big on the obscura uh, from wisdom to hate era as everyone else. Okay. So I like the first two and the last two more. And a lot of people think that they had that kind of peak in the middle. So that's my take. Um, I am not as big on the skronk. And I like power chords, man. Um, Yeah. yeah. So, but I think that they kind of got something right in the later epic colored sans era that they kept going for what it's worth. So I think you should read listen to from wisdom to hate i think that if you come back i don't know how long it's been since you've listened to that album but it actually is a nice blend between previous gorguts styles you know including it's definitely not as out there as obscura obscura is its own thing and I'm glad that I was, I did experience uh, Considered Dead and Erosion to Sanity before I came to Obscura. There we go. <laughs> oh, that looks like it's working. Can you hear us okay? Yeah, that's working. Sorry about that, man. Yeah, it looks like we're good. 
McGanny. No, this is perfect now. This looks great. Yeah, so, yeah. Dude. That shit behind me. Look at this fucking room. Unlucky <laughs> yep. order. Nice collection. There's, there's a shelf. Here's some shit I don't need. Put put it on there. Leave you, it forever. You should see. You should see what my room looks like when I take out this uh, virtual background. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, I was wondering because I saw that it looked like the one Charlie had the other week. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm not even at my own place. I'm at Mike Gilbert's house. If, if you saw where I usually do it from, I'm in a old industrial what up yep hell yeah uh old industrial building in south san francisco and then i used to yeah dude all right well none of us have cared about our backgrounds the whole time we have, we have the great chalky here let's let's let him talk for a second we've been talking ask a know, question we have been chatting. chalky dude thank you so much for giving us your time dude uh let's get some plugs out of the way first dude where do you want people to go to uh check out what you've been up to thank you bro I'm here to talk. I don't really, I don't really, um, yeah, I don't really like plugging myself. So, um, okay. Just, yes. uh, if you don't, if people know what I'm up to, they know. And if they don't, they don't. And that's if I can, sucks to be them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then we're here to talk, bro. So, how yeah, are you, dude? What I've been up to, but I'll let you guys ask the questions. I don't really know how you do, whether you just talk on this or whether you ask questions and that. We're, just, we're just hanging, dude. We're literally yeah. just hanging out with you, brother. Sweet. Just want to uh, bring you on the show and uh, get to know you as a person um, and obviously give you our praise. You were uh, still are a unique voice in, in our little bubble of the universe. And uh, it's something that I've enjoyed for the last 20 years. So I just wanted to thank you in person and and chat with you a little bit about life, dude. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, like I sort of don't, I, this is the first podcast I've ever done. Um, I've been asked many, many times. I don't really do this sort of stuff. Um, not because it bothers me. I don't have a problem doing it. It's just, I don't, well, I do have a problem. I don't want to do it, but it's like, this was different because obviously, you know, there's a bit of history here and whatever. So I just want to comment as well. Joseph's got very clear looking skin. I like it. It's very smooth. And so, uh, <laughs> He's the youngest one on the pod. So it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he is the youngest, he's isn't he? Look at that. Like, like <laughs> I feel like he's got a, a, like a, what do you call it? A, a routine. Like, you know, he gets the, no, no, nope. this is just my natural blush from, uh, you know, admiration at all the nice faces I'm looking at. So <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good bunch i reckon that that um that there's someone who's watching which way am i bought in that way i don't even know which way that's a more attractive face obviously a bit of a shape <laughs> glasses you know it's a it's anything that's similar to me is obviously more my type um, <laughs> well yeah dude bald heads and beards hey hey i went on oh no, man you have you contender has entered the arena oh, <laughs> no, oh yeah dude but yeah, dude, no, this this is uh this is literally just a hangout, bro. Treat this like we're on tour and, and just, we're backstage, we're having a beer too, and there it is, dude. We got it all. Uh, now it makes me even more curious about what actually is in that background. Now I can see you got some safety glasses there. Yeah, these are just like bloody. Oh, can I just like ask, a, is there any like kind a woodworking of, station? These are like woodworking glasses or something. These are my dad's so. Kind of like, 
what happens if I swear? Is it is it like uh, yeah, say whatever the fuck you want, man? Oh, that's good because I was about to comment on those glasses look like the sort of shit you have if you have like a you know like a drill with a fucking dildo on the end of it and you've just been going to town <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. Going to town, dude. Oh, man. dude. So, all right, Jockey. I want I my first question is. Um, Yes, we do have questions. I know it's just a chat, but I do do want to ask you some questions. Um, what what was like? I mean, it's the same question I ask everybody on this show. I I, I like to know where um, art started for you. You know, it used to be music, but I just want to know when art or something creative that you you either saw somebody else in life that you looked up to or you ended up stumbling across something yourself, whether it be drawing, you know, uh, any sculpting Legos, whatever the fuck it was, you know, mm. when did that happen? And what was it? Yeah. If only my brain worked slower than what it does, I just, you, you said the more you, the more you um, expanded that question, the more, you know, points of, uh, I started connecting in my own head, my own memories and whatever. Um, it was a pretty, it's a pretty, like my whole creative path, my, uh, my connection to art would have come before I probably knew it. You know what I mean? It's like, I was always intrigued by anything that was other than what's the word, like anything that was other than reality. You know what I mean? Things that were in the yeah, ether that were outside of ourselves. And so anything that was created and stuff was always kind of a very, it was a pretty big thing for me. Um, and I remember like being a kid and watching like heaps of like cartoons and stuff like, um, Astro, like the original Astro Boy and, um, Voltron and, um, Transformers and all that kind of jive. And then, um, there was like, um, some pretty cool, um, books that, you know, my parents would buy just books and I'd always be, in, I, was, I, don't know, I, was, I was pretty obsessed with dinosaurs when I was a kid. So I was like, I was kind of into like, the archaeological and paleon, you know, sort of, sort of paleontology type um, right. avenues as well. And, and I used to just sit around drawing dinosaurs and drawing whatever I could see. I used to do heaps of drawings and, and um, yeah, and then music was, music just drew me for whatever reason. Like my parents, I'm adopted, right? So there you go. There's a scoop in case it's never been covered. Um, but I'm adopted. So my parents weren't really musical or artistic or, didn't like sports or anything and everything that they didn't like, I kind of was drawn to. And it wasn't like I was rebelling. It was more that it was just a natural sort of draw for me. Um, mm -hmm. and I remember just, I think I was probably like eight or nine years old and just certain music would really connect with me. And then I remember just hearing like Motley Crue or something like that. That was kind of when Motley Crue really kind of broke in Australia. And um, with like the, the Dr. Feelgood album. And I remember like hearing kickstart my heart and just wanting to like, kickstart everyone's asses in the neighborhood you know what I'm saying so, um, it, uh, I was like oh this is this is pretty cool and something kind of yeah definitely something was born in me at that point and the other thing was um I was sort of forced to play music from when I was young so I'm I'm, I'm a classically trained pianist so I've um I I learned piano from when I was like six wow. or something years old to when I was 12 so I was trained by like proper you know professional um, you know, classical music cats. And so, um, although your parents weren't musical and all that, they they still supported your 
your drive to want to learn that? Because obviously being no, six, it, they had it to... About, yeah, it was never about that. My parents are old school, man. They're old school. So, like, it was seen like, you know, like they're probably only two generations from England or I don't know, whatever the fuck. And, um, and basically it's a, it's a thing about a rounded person. So you want to learn how to fix a car. You want to learn how to, you know, make your own food and you want to learn. And, and then it was just like artistic. Not, it's not even the art of it. It's just, it's about making a rounded person. And I think that was something in there in mm-hmm. just in, you know, history of like yeah, learning the piano, you know, like that whole kind of like, it's a bit of a, a bit of a, a cultural thing in that in certain parts of England where you, you know, the kids go and learn an instrument when they're young. It's like something to do with development, whether it's mental or, you know, whatever. I guess maybe every so often, you know, parents can make money off their kids. I don't know. But, like, I think it was just <laughs> – I think it was just like a freaking um, – yeah, just it was just part of – I think they probably had that done. You know, it's just like a, like a generational thing with them. They just – whatever. So I, I took to it real fast, like um, piano, like – I learned piano and organ, proper organ and stuff and pipe organ and stuff. And I was uh, like a, you know, supposedly a prodigy at that stuff. So it was the problem. The problem was I didn't stick to it because once I hit 11 or 12, I'm like, no, no, electric guitar, like piano is not going to get the things that were on my mind when I was 12 and I was starting to think about them. Right, right. Not that I never went to music for the, to Hmm. meet, you know, sexual partners, but I definitely, um, um, was thinking piano was going to be less of a um, another chance, yeah, less of a list of uh, options. I just don't think that many chicks at home are like, oh my god, look at that, look at look at the way he works his fingers. Oh, I wish you'd do that to me. <laughs> hey, I mean, that would be actually a good argument right there. Well, I think nowadays it'd be it's, there's probably like an OnlyFans Ford slash piano fingers or something like that. So I don't know. Like I'm sure someone's out there making. A buck off the piano fingers. There's something out there for everybody, dude. Oh, it's that's the scary part, isn't it? <laughs> all right, so all right, so you said electric guitar was what brought you out of that, but I also want to know uh, what kind of music were you introduced to the electric guitar, and what was really making you want to make the transition from piano to guitar. Well, so I said electric guitar, but I mean, I started on acoustic because I said to my parents, I want electric, and my parents were, what you know, traditionalists, so super stingy motherfuckers. It's like, oh, we'll buy you a $100 electric guitar, uh, sorry, acoustic guitar, which I still have, by the way. That was Hell yeah. 31 years ago they bought that for me. And um, they just sent me to some dude who I'm pretty sure I had no idea what he was talking about because he said, I'd just come from piano and I understood scales and everything to the – I was – very learned in that world and I remember this guitar teacher I'm like oh is there any similarities between guitar and piano he's like only the chords and I'm like oh okay and I'm just thinking all right so if, I, if he just said to me yeah the scales and explained to me that the scales were same so I'm like I play guitar and I play it a lot I play a lot of that crap right but like um apart from the basic stuff like acoustic like you know sort of basic chord stuff I don't know I'm, I can I'm, like I'm a player by ear I'm an ear player so um, so my, um, if he just said, oh, this is a scale, my sponge-like brain at that age would have just gone, blah, 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 blah. I would have been bloody Michelangelo, Baggio, and probably had four guitars and had my bloody feet going as well. But instead, um, I uh, ended up just sitting there playing Mull of King Tyre and um, fucking 
karma chameleon and stuff like that and um and and that was all wrong anyway i looked like years later i realized he'd given me all the wrong it was all the wrong chords pretty much but they were close enough i think he just did it by ear and he just was like oh this is how you do it one of those there's plenty of guitar teachers like that they just go oh yeah i can play five chords mm-hmm. I'm make some coin um yeah. but but yeah so basically i i just um yeah i really wanted to i think it was what well, was all that stuff um because when I was, you know, in, in primary school, uh, which is what we call grade one to six here, um, so I was like 10, 11 years old. I was into like Motley Crue, um, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, um, Danger Danger, Poison, um, LA Guns, fucking, um, there's a bunch of other crap as well, but that's that was sort of my, my staple. So I'll be a little bit, maybe starting to edge towards Megadeth and that, but um because we're talking like 1988, 89, so every, all those bands are really just kind of broken out here. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, I was just hearing all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, I said to mum and dad, can I get an electric guitar? And they're like, no. So then I started learning acoustic and then I had to buy my own, had to go and earn my pocket money to buy my first guitar myself. How would you get that? How would you acquire that money? Um, <laughs> just... Tasmania is a strange place, man. No, I um, <laughs> no, I um. So I used to just, so I sort of worked for my parents, you know. Like they had a really big farm, huge farm, um, and it was a, like a, a primary produce farm, so sheep and cattle, and then they had some crops and stuff. And you know, I was getting to that age where I'm like, I don't want to fucking go and help you dig that shit or fucking bundle up that crap. And they'd be like, All right, we'll give you five dollars a week, five dollars a week to do essentially slave labor um and yeah i'd just go out and i'd load the hay and i'd do this and that and i'd do my fo- bring my the fo- uh chop some wood and just all the crap that they didn't want to do pretty much and um i'd do that and then they'd pay me five bucks a week and then every so often there'd be some extravagant day of work that i was absolutely refusing to do and that's i'll give you an extra five or ten so i started just squirreling that away and then i did when i was i think 12 or 13 i got a job in a secondhand store um cleaning fridges All right. and some other tasks but i'm pretty sure the guy just he used to just drive around in the truck chain smoking next to me and then trying to get me to carry dresses and stuff out with him and i i mean i i'm like six foot three right and um i'm not i'm kind of biggish now but i was a tweet back then but i've always been this tall since i was 11 right so i think he just thought oh yeah he's an adult but i wasn't an adult i was a kid carrying carrying shit out of the fucking but anyway they used to give me like 10 bucks a day or something like that it was Ridiculous. But anyway, so I scrounged together a bit of money and um, went and bought a Samic, a Samic guitar that looked very much like Kurt Cobain's guitar because that was, even though I was, by the time I was 12, 13, I was massively into death metal and that, but um, but I was also really into Nirvana and, and Pearl Jam and all that sort of grunge era kind of stuff too. So with the, the music that you're coming across, how are you uh, being exposed to it? Is it, is it friends? Is it other family members or are you just coming across it yourself yeah so there was a um there's a couple of ways so there was there's a thing on abc there's a, a thing called abc tv here which is like our our free-to-air broadcast that's been around since literally the start of tv was existing in australia and um it's it's yeah it's free to air. always was free to air back before you know fucking everything was streamed and that and they used to have a show called rage which was which used to just play film clips overnight and it was just all sorts of stuff and they'd have some nights where it was metal and whatever but then there was like in the morning you have your top 50 um 
you know, the, the top 50, which back in those days, back in the 90s and very late 80s, it was a real uh, mixed bag of genres, like, because it was, there was no, you know, streaming. No one was playing what was just popular. It was just whatever, like, it was, everything was based on what society was grabbing at, you know, like, everything back then was the quality of something was what got it um, broad, you know, whereas nowadays people, it's just all marketing, like a pile of shit sells more than a, something that's actually useful because it's how, how much money you got behind marketing. And it was like that back then. There was good music in the top 50 and the top 100 and I'd hear it and I'd hear Motley Crue and I'd hear all that stuff. And so I'd go to like, so I started even at that age at, at 10 or 11 years old, I just hit 12 and I started going to um, um, like little uh, local, you know, uh, music shops and stuff and just buying it and it was real early on when I realised that this local guy would let me play stuff he had a actually used to no I'll, he used to play it over the, the loud he, he changed that loud like everyone had the, the headphones but he actually used to let you chuck something on if you thought you were going to buy it and so I'd go in and say oh can I hear this can I hear that and, and originally like I'm not going to lie it was it was it was based on like a lot of the times it was the cover art of something that made me want to hear it but, yep. but on top of all that I had a next door neighbour who gave me 15 cassettes that he'd taped where they were just like, you know, copies, like like one tape onto another tape kind of thing. And I remember he played me all those and that gave me a taste and, and, and that had some stuff in it that I didn't fully understand at the time. Like I remember I was 11, 12 and it took me another six to eight months before I could get death metal in my head. But on these tapes, it had like Unleashed and Grave and all this other stuff. And I just remember kind of going, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear what was going on. It didn't repel me, but I couldn't understand. I couldn't hear the thing and it was yeah but yeah anyway point being is that i um used to go to that shop collector's corner it still exists in bernie northwest tasmania the guy that owns it's still the same motherfucker all these years later i think his name's still, still, still going there i think so no i mean i went i'm up in the northwest but i don't go out there very much it's a bit of a oh, okay a bit of a different world i live at the bottom of it's, tasmania it's so crazy to me well i say this is because we've run across this so much dude being 155 episodes into this and you know we always like to hear the childhood and how how this individual stumbled across this underground style of music you know and it's always a gradual uh path that they find into it and if you go too far ahead in that path there's a, a a confusion that happens because you didn't jump through all the hoops to understand certain things that, and, and you'll eventually understand them, but you have, it's like metal has these gatekeeper uh, either releases or styles that you kind of have to go through. And there's multiple ways to do that, but hearing you say you didn't fully understand the stuff on the mixtape, it makes sense because none of us who, you know, if I was, when I was listening to new metal, hearing cannibal corpse, there was something that I could understand, which is fast drumming and shredding guitars, but the vocals and, and, and the structure, it was something that I wasn't, my brain wasn't fully ready for, you know, I, yeah. I was just adding, adding to you know what you were just saying with you yeah, gotta no. get through the, all the gates in order to understand certain things. Well, yeah, I mean, there's pathway that. bands, you know, there's pathway bands, there's pathway things that that set you on your path that get you going, and sometimes they take you pretty quickly to the what I would consider to be good shit, and sometimes 
you go through fucking you never get to it you're just stuck in you know as i call them part-time metalheads you know what i mean that just stay in the 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 nice the frontage you know the nice little garden mm-hmm. with the nice flowers the you know every so often there'll be a oh like a scary daffodil or something but um the uh <laughs> we, we all make it to the main house and we go inside and look at the fucking ghouls and the fucking you know the, yeah. the, the scene from hacked up for barbecue front cover and whatever so um <laughs> but i mean there's if you i mean i'm not i'm probably jumping ahead in what you're going to ask me about but there's i talk about that in Psychropic lyrics, there's there's a song on the Isle of Disenchantment and a song on Scepter where it's there's psychology and uh, – sorry, psychology. That was going to be the um, – yeah, it's, it's psycho, it is psychology. Isn't it? Yeah, sorry, psychropathopath and psychology. I was doing it in the wrong order. Um, and that's about the ethos of metal and about the – about not just metal though because, I mean, for me, it's even if I talk in metal terms, like I'm into music very broadly, I'm mostly into metal and it's funny because I'm wearing this top but I don't – listen to as much, you know, death metal or tech death anyway these days. I still listen to a bit, but um, more of the older stuff, like the most new stuff's a bit sort of fancy for my ears. But um, mm-hmm. I'm, I've been more of a black metal guy the last 15 years, so I don't really listen to as much of that. But, um, I mean, I've been a black metal guy the whole time, the last 15 years, it's really drawn me. But I listen to all kinds of crap. So when I talk about music and experience, it's often a broad, I'm broadly talking because, you know, there's been times where, it's other music that's propelled me forward or propelled me sideways, which is what I think is the biggest thing, um, especially with musicians, I think, is whatever propels you sideways. Because forwards is one thing, but it's what it's when you sort of strafe and you take that little step to the side and see a new a new direction. I think that's where you start finding mm-hmm. interesting and more um, unique ways of presenting what you do and what um, path you take, paths you take or whatever. Yeah, I mean, when I when I say your path into metal, I mean, um, I'm also the same way as you, dude. I I listen to so many styles of music, and I listen to them constantly. That I only give a a, a finite little slice of my music time to the type of music we actually play, and I do the same thing. I go, I tend to go back into you know our era or a little past or a little bit before it because it is it has a nostalgic feel to it and um but with oh i've lost my point god damn it what was i what we were just saying something about that though i was gonna leave that oh and and the other styles of music so that really is something that i i you know, I respect musicians like Joseph, Casey, all these dudes that I've been able to work with because they all have varied uh, a, a plethora of of styles of music that they all pick. Because uh, that's really what it is. It's every, everything that we are as an artist is just, you know, a combination of everything we've been exposed to and then us trying to put our unique little fling on it that we at least think is unique you know Um, well real quick i gotta say i went to that king crimson movie last night the uh what's it called yeah i'm I'm super jealous about that dude in the court court? yeah the court of kings yeah duh and so uh yeah and it was fucking badass and it was like a premiere like one night thing and then it's coming out a couple weeks or months i can't remember but uh dude it was my friend david got tickets for it original guitarist of odious david and uh, we just went down and saw it in the theater it was super fun anyways the point is there's all these insane parts of, of robert fripp just 
just all day long he plays five hours a day at least on the guitar and he's doing all these chromatic runs and crazy shit just all day. and he's just like this old guy just in madman dude for like his since the he's 60s dude as as and, it, yeah. and i was like we were watching i was just like i mean i knew this but i didn't even really really it just hit me i was just like he's in influenced like all of our shit like like death metal like like he's like the most metal fucking guitarist oh, He's up there in his like suit, like sits in his chair with his like, and he's just like the most. That guy is fucking, <laughs> dude. Shout yeah, out to Robert Fripp, dude. So, so five hours a day shredding, and then the other five hours just doing stuff with his misses on those weird videos, right? Yeah, I know. Yep, dude, yep. Those are hilarious. <laughs> covers. I know. Yep. Sounds like a good day, dude. <laughs> yeah. So my, once again, I'm going back before I'm going forward a bit, but so the, yeah. the band that I have done most recently, except for some secret stuff I'm working on is um obviously Mephistopheles mm-hmm. and um we've always stated that King Crimson were, were in our influences so when when you if you ever find some of the old shit we did because it's been the band's been around a while nearly 20 years now even though it seems new to me because I I feel like I'm just joined it but it's been quite a while even though since I've been involved but our our main influences and the bands and the guitarists and like Benny who also did some um live playing with Spawn of Possession he um he um we're big on Mahavishnu Orchestra, um, you know, Stevie Wonder, fucking King Crimson, yeah, um, all that kind of shit. Um, and, you know, Boston and fucking yeah. Kansas and, and all that kind of like slightly progish stuff. Funnily enough, never really fully into Rush, which is usually trips people out, but I still can appreciate Rush, but there there was other bands. But Mahavishnu Orchestra was the biggest one. That was that yeah. was number like those those guys are just off the dial and um do you have a favorite album of theirs uh probably no no i've got oh it's it's always hard for me to decide which is my like the inner mounting flame yeah that's fine that's fine dude yeah. Well, I was going to say either Inner Mounting Flame or Birds of Fire. Yeah, Birds of Fire is the like. They're the two. They're the, oh, that's yeah. why I'm, I feel dirty saying one or the other. I feel like I'm cheating on the other one because yeah. I, I think there's, there's tracks on each one that are just as cool. It's kind of, but it's it's easier to decide that those two are the best. For, if I talk about which my favorite Metallica albums are, then that's a lot harder because that changes every six months. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll let you guys. Uh, prompt me some more so i can yeah yeah um yeah i wanted to ask when you started kind of doing vocals or uh, identifying as like vocalist and then how that led you perhaps into psychoptic yeah that's a quick story um so um the um i was being psychotic it's not a quick story um so (laughs) basically um what happened was I, I, when I was in high school, uh, I was in grade, um, let's just say my age, I was about 13 and um, it was grade seven or eight here. And I, I just started high school, I was at the end of the first year of high school. And during the first year I had like a um, run in with this fella, his name's Gonad, right? We had a run in and um, let's just say it was unpleasant. <laughs> and uh, he was a sort of like, a, I'd he, he may watch this, but he knows he knows what he did. He knows what he did. No, he was a bit of a bully, but um, we're, we're, he's like one of my best friends. So, um, oh, yeah. um, he's no. a bit of a bully at school. He used to just you know sort of bash a few people and shit. And um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, but the thing is, um, at the end of the year, um, so I play a lot of sport when I was young. I've, I've played sport now as well, but I played a lot of sport when I was young, cricket, 
and Australian rules football especially. And um, we between the school terms, like school years, should I say, between grades seven and eight, between um, we, we had a, a cricket um, thing called Country Week, which was five days of playing cricket. And he was in the team and I saw him and I thought, oh, fuck, and here we go. We're going to have a – this is going to be the shittest five days of my life. Um, and because of that age, I already had a Walkman. My dad had been to Asia or something. I'd uh, been to China, actually, and he came back with, like, a guitar uh, – maybe a Hitachi or something, Walkman. And it was, like, one of the first Walkmans to, that I'd seen ever. And, mm-hmm. and I had one and so I was listening to all my tapes and I used to take it just when I was on bus trips and whatever, even though I never do it now. I did it back then. And I used to have a little – I've still got it. Like, literally, I've still got all – this is what I'm saying about being a hoarder. I've still got the original tape box that I had um, from when I was that age. And I had this tape box and I, I used to buy this magazine and I had these stickers on it, Cannibal Corpse, Pantera, and one other one other sticker. And in the tape box I had, like, mostly, like, Metallica, Motley Crue, all that kind of crap. And there was, I think, Anthrax, maybe Slayer or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I was sitting on the, on the side of this hill and we were – we were batting, so that we were sort of like with baseball, where you have your your fielding team out and your your batting teams in the in the dugout. We were just sitting on the hill, and I remember he's he sort of come past me and saw me, and he and he just walks up and opens my tape box and looks at it and gives me a nod, <laughs> and throws this cassette at me and just goes, "Get this in ya." I'm like, "Radio," and one side had Bolt Thrower, Warmaster, and the other side had Sepultura Arise. Mm-hmm. And I, remember I just sat there and listened to it. And I remember sitting and listening to the Subaltura side first and kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. And then I remember I listened to the other side and I'm just like, bolt thrower just straight away. Like I was the, oh, I don't know if you guys are how familiar you are with Warmaster, but mm-hmm. it's got that kind of organ sounding like deep stuff at the start. And I just remember the, all the hairs on my neck tingling and just getting so keyed up. And then this stuff kicks in and then the vocals. And I'm just like, oh, what the fuck? And so anyway, like, me and him formed a connection from that sort of um, situation. He starts giving me some of his stuff. I had stuff he didn't have, and I lent him some of my tapes, and he lent him some some of my, uh, his. And then I started doing what I said before, which was going to this. And that was before we started hanging out. I started going to this tape shop, and then one day he goes, "You should come up to my place." Come up there, and it turns out that he plays guitar. And I and I remember that. I remember that because one music lesson. We all had to do something in music lesson, and I think I played drums or something, even though I'd never really played drums, but I had to pick an instrument, and I, I wasn't confident. I only really just started guitar then. I didn't want to play piano, as I've stated very clearly. There was women in the room, so I didn't want to play piano. And um, and I remember he was like... Um, hey, what's wrong with piano, man? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Billy Joel, man, he's cool. But, um, <laughs> I, but yeah, he he was playing, um, I think, Fire Fire with Fire or fucking... Oh, it might have been, actually, no, I think it was something off. Oh, it was definitely something I'd kill them all. But anyway, um, he was playing um, something. And I remember going, oh, he can play Metallica. Sick, you know, that's like sick to me. And mm-hmm. so I went to his house and he's playing this stuff. And then, you know, a few months passed and I go back to his house again and suddenly he's jamming with this dude um, who's drumming, Tim Durkin, is his, his name, he still exists. Um, and these guys are mucking around, just fucking improvising stuff, weird stuff. And I started just coming to watch him and come to a few, just watching, watching. And then I'm like, what are you going to do with this stuff? Are you going to write some music? Are you going to whatever? I don't even know how I con- conceived that at that age, but I did. And they're like, yeah, we're going to write a song or stuff. And they said, what? Well, I said, oh, I'd love to join. Funnily enough, I probably could have just played bass or something at the time, but I didn't, I just wasn't confident in that sort of stuff. So I was just like, can I be, can I sing? And they're like, yeah. And I, once again, I've still got the fucking cassette of it. So what we did, we sat down and we 
did this recording, right, where it was me doing vocals, um, Gonad um, playing guitar, Tim Durkin playing drums. Then they switched around and it was Gonad on vocals, um, me on guitar, Durkin on drums, and then fucking Durkin on vocals, Gonad on drums. Me on, so we're all kind of a little bit musical, a bit sort of multi-instrumental, even though we're young and it's... It, and I had the worst vocals, all three of them. They, they'd never done vocals either. And one was like, Ugh! but like, well, literally, I'm not joking. You were holding a cassette player, old school, pressing, pressing, where's the fucking thing? Pressing the record button and singing into it. So there was no <laughs> microphone, nothing. I'm just going, you know, and um, I, th- I thought it sounded sick. Like I could, in my, in my, in my vibration, in my jaw, it fucking sounded like I was kicking in some serious notes. They're just like, nah, man. That's shit. You can't be in our band. Um, So I just just hung out with them. But but what I did, right, was I went away for six months and I didn't tell them and I didn't speak to anyone about it, didn't tell a single soul, and I just started practicing metal vocals. And I was just doing like three, four hours a day, every fucking day. And then I'd have like, I'd do two days on one day off. I I figured that years ago, you got to have a day off and stuff. And um, I just practiced and practiced and practiced. And then I remember it was six months later, it was the next year, we were in grade nine. I was 14 years, I just turned 14 and um, I was like, right, let's have a jam. Let's have a jam because they said they'd written two songs. I said, let's have a jam. They said, nah, man, you shit, you fucking shit. And I'm like, all right, let's see how I go. And I just just remember just because we had a mic this time and I'll just, you know, just really fucking gasped out. And they're going, holy shit. Like didn't even finish the song, man. They were like one minute in and they've just stopped and gone, all right, you're the singer. And that was it. So that's, that's how I became a singer. Um, and and I was like, oh, do you want me to play an instrument? Like, no, you should at that. So I was like, oh, fair enough. Um, so I just, you know, that they were better at me than guitar, and he was better than me at drums at the time. Um, and then yeah, I just um, so yeah, so that's that's what did got that me. did that unit stay together for a while and write more music. Yeah. So originally, in the very very beginning, we were called Brainiac, and I have the, still have a demo tape of that. But we did we did a thing called it became Hemlock, right? And Hemlock was what we did for three or four years. And we actually played with some pretty well-known Aussie bands like Alchemist and Blood Duster back in the day. Um, and and we never really did any proper recordings. We did one two-track um, uh, thing at, at like a TAFE, like a, sorry, like a, like a student like a college of music or some shit. And it was pretty cool, but we didn't even – like I remember going out, the bass player didn't turn up, Fitzy didn't turn up, and um, going out to do the bass, but he didn't actually check the tuning on his guitar before he started recording the bass. So he'd finished the guitar and he put his guitar away and he comes out with the bass and he's like playing. I'm like, dude, that's fucking out of, out of tune. He's like, I don't even know what it t- what I tuned to. We didn't tune to a fucking tune to whatever. Oh yeah, there's the E and then go from the E, whatever the E was on. And so we had to try and get him tuned by ear. And oh my god, the recording is pretty rough, but it's still cool. It's actually cool, man. And then and then yes, yeah, so we did that band for four years, played a bunch of gigs, um, toured and did a bit of stuff, but only in our home state. We never played outside. And then, um, and that was so that was in the north of the state, Bernie. And then, um, so I, yeah, I mean, I, I started experimenting. I started just pure low vocals, nothing else, just low. And um, and I, I think I was reasonably good at low vocals. I think I, because that's all I focused on, and I think I was reasonably good at it. And I thought, yeah, this is my thing. I'll just be the lowest vocalist in the world. That was my plan. And there's some demo tapes of me early on where I think it was be up there with one of the, some of the lower vocals that I've heard anyway. Um, but then I just was like, nah, this is fucking boring. Everyone does these vocals. And so that's when I started experimenting, adding a little high, adding a little weird yeah. stuff, a little yell, whatever. And, and then one day 
not the pterodactyl, that's what I call it. I don't know if you guys know that, but the oh, yeah. um, that, was something, that was something I did as a kid. Like I was 12 years old and I used to be able to do this inhaled vocal that you can hear like 200, 300 metres away. It was so, it's the loudest thing. <sighs> and, um, and I remember I used to scream at these cunts and just get people's attention. And, Whoa, people, like I'd drive past the car and scream, Whoa, you know, people are, what the fuck? Thinking people were getting murdered and whatever. So that was pretty fun. And, um, yeah, and that's it, cool. So I thought I'll include that as well. So that became part of my vocal. So we did that for four years. And then I left Bernie because I was getting up to no good. I was in a bit of just hanging out with some bad dudes and stuff. So I um, moved to Hobart, which is where I live now. Um, what age is that when you moved there? 18. I was 18. So I moved out of home when I was 16 into a, a share house with Gaynad and someone else at the time um, when I was in Bernie. So I left, left my parents. I just had to get away from them. I couldn't handle it. I was too keen to smoke bombs and fucking drink and do crazy shit. And um, so I, they sort of wanted me out of the house. And um, in the end, I just, uh, yeah, I left house. And then I come down here because I just had to get away from that life. And um, and I studied audio engineering for a year down here. And within a year, I um, met all the guys in Cycroptic who were playing in a different band at the time. Oh, two different bands, actually. Um, and then, yeah, and then, that, and, then that, and then that came to pass. And then I... I joined that band because they, and I can tell you that story if you want, but I'll let you talk a bit. Yeah, oh no, yeah, I'm, I would love to hear that story. That's a perfect That's transition. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the pterodactyl. I mean, well, I guess that, we should take a second and talk about the pterodactyl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think all of our first uh, introduction to Chalky was probably Scepter of the Ancients. Maybe one of you guys had. Oh yeah. Disappointment before, but I mean, I had them both, but definitely Scepter and yeah we gotta talk about scepter for a second yeah so well, before we yeah sorry go ahead that that's all i wanted to say just like iconic fucking vocal performance like sticks out as one of the, the most important records for me getting into metal and the the range inspired every vocalist <laughs> i know is just like yeah chalky fucking yeah the book i remember distinctly uh when i met matt Satello from Decrepit Birth, and we recorded our first Odious album in March of 2004. And uh, he like took us out back. We were out like smoking cigarettes or whatever. And he like pulled, he was like two albums. He's like, You guys, there's two albums you need to fucking listen to. You've never heard of these bands, but you got to check them out. And one was Scepter of the Ancients, Psychroptic, and the other was the first Necrophagus onset, you know, whatever. And yeah. uh, and right. and he was just totally like, fucking all about psychroptic dude and we were just like this band's from australia like we didn't even you know we're just like and like the tightness of the guitars and everything he was just like that's like the gnarliest this band is like the best band like, like ever and so yeah anyways well still a lot of people still don't realize that when we recorded the first album joe was like 15 years old that's crazy yeah uh, we recorded when we recorded scepter joe was 18 or 19 and yeah. And it, it's actually funny because I know I know that Joe and Dave can play. Like I'm well aware that they can play, but it, it took me quite a few years to realize how good Joe is, like rhythmically. Like I know he's I know he's a tight guitarist, but he's tighter than nearly anyone else out there. And I don't yeah. I'm not even I don't even hang out with these dudes or talk to them really anymore at all. Like we have nothing to do with each other. So me singing their praises is not something I would generally do. But mm -hmm. um, but Joe, his right hand is just so ridiculous and. Whenever I see somebody trying to, you know, play a psychroptic song on guitar, that's always the problem. They can often get the notes, yeah, I can get the time, even the timing, but trying to like just because he uses like a certain style of picking that a lot of people can't get their head around and stuff. So, 
it's um it's it's he's a very um talented guitarist but you can even you can even notice that on aisles too and and knowing that he's 15 at that time 15 it's it blows me away when you listen to how tight he already was at that age and then yeah we get to scepters and it's just everything's in the pocket dude yeah it was real funny because when we did um the album i'll come out it was real funny because decapitated kind of came out around the same time right winds of creation or whatever the fuck that thing was called mm-hmm. and it's real funny because we're getting all these comparisons like we started getting interest from around the world back when you'd have magazines and fanzines and whatever and we were getting interviews and everyone was fucking oh these are this is the new young blood band the new the, the up-and-coming death metal young blood death metal band and it was us but it was always about us and them all and they were asking me oh what did you think about decapitated whatever i'm just like fucking you know i mean they're writing music that's probably a little bit a bit ahead of their time and uh, I don't know what we're doing. We're just trying to do something that doesn't sound like anybody else. Like that was our intention from the get-go was we just wanted to write something that was influenced by, like it still had a foot in the door, sorry, a door, a foot in the, like a dip of a toe in the pond of the classic shit, but also mm-hmm. we didn't want to sound like anyone else because like it's, it's such a hard thing to do to produce an album or a band that sounds unique. It's almost, it's not impossible as most of us know. We've all been on albums that we listen to and, and we're proud of but still listen back and can hear the slightly contrived nature of it. But mm. um, but I, I truly believe Psychropic is a quite a unique band and um, and I think that's kind of where that came from, that, that sort of like, um, you know, like, actually I don't even know, once again, I know I forgot my train, but the point is that like Joe was, even at that age and younger, he was just playing guitar, man. I met those guys and I'd come into his house and you just walk in the house and you in the distance, he'd just be playing like four hours a day, five hours a day as a kid, just in just whatever it was that drove him. Just and the same with Dave. Dave would just practice drums, play, 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 play. Um, and because like there was such a key part of it, because I remember seeing the first band those guys were in, the brothers that were in this band called Disseminate. That's where I first saw them. And they were like, yeah, once again, Joe was just a kid, 14, 15, or whatever he was. And um, he might have been 16 when he did all, but either way, point being, he was in that age group. But um, 14, 15, when they did this thing, and Dave was 17, 18, and they did this band called Disseminate, and I saw him, and I'm like, what the fuck? These guys are sick. They weren't doing the same stuff then. But still, if you ever if you ever haven't heard that, it's a very unique album. Like their little demo tape they put out, man. Holy crap. It's Nothing sounds like that. So, I mean, those guys always had like a pretty unique sort of album. Mm-hmm. nice yeah yeah Yeah. so um i mean how much activity did those albums generate for you guys uh did you guys I, I, we probably asked dave when when he was on but um how much how active were you were you guys touring as psychoptic or i uh well i mean it's uh well i suppose like we started we didn't tour that quickly because we, um, oh, we we kind of did like it felt like a long time. Like I mean, we're talking about this shit. This particular band, there was six years of my life that felt like twenty. Like it was, a, we did so much in that six years that mm-hmm. um, you know people still every time I you know I, I'm not joking. Every week, every week of my life, I get five minimum people messaging me asking me about my role in that band, which is fine, but it's been fifteen years, and I don't mind talking about it in a situation. I don't mind talking about it in general, but. This is different because this is like, you know, going over a, you know, it's a, it's a memoir scenario type yeah. thing. Mm. Whereas, you know, I just get random people still, it's still in their mind every yeah. week. Oh, 
what's that guy? What was that lyric about? Man, I'm still dreaming about that shit. So anyway, but um, <laughs> so it's probably. I mean, it's easy. Do you want me to just tell you the tale of how Socrates happened? Please. Yeah. Did you get anything like that from? I didn't. I mean, I didn't really realize David done this. I assume you would have. But did you get anything like that from him, or did he was he pretty cagey about it? What's crazy about this thing, dude, is we do you know an average of three hours or so with everybody, and we've done 155 episodes, so it's yeah. really hard to pinpoint. It was like number. He was early on too. Like, he was in the 20s, so that was over two years ago that we interviewed Dave. So. Yeah, I see how it is. Um, but um, the um, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, so, so basically, that's good then. Um, but I don't, yeah, I mean, I, you should remember every second of it. What are you talking about? But, um, the uh, so I'm gonna do, I'm, I'll tell you the tale. So basically, I moved to Hobart, um, and I was, um, still technically in Hemlock, but the, the band kind of changed. And just so you know, Hemlock did eventually become another band called Three Victims. And I don't know if you ever heard Three Victims, they did a an, uh, an EP called Loathing Societal Conformities. And, and it kind of got somewhere and it's fucking sick actually. So if you ever want to hear it, it kind of became kind of kind of like very sort of dying fetus, vomit remnants, um, sort of chuggy kind of um, rhythmical, very rhythmical death metal. Um, mm-hmm. When we started, we were a bit more broad because our biggest influence back then was Intense Hammer Age and they were pretty broad back then. But, um, but anyway, so I'd moved to Hobart. I was doing an audio engineering course, which I got almost all the way through. I just missed the exams because I just started fucking smoking bongs again. So um, I had a couple of years, I had about a year off the bongs, which really helped my life. Um, and then, yeah, I was back on them and pretty hard and I just, I kind of can't do things casually. So anyway, so I was like smoking and doing whatever. And then I started to go to gigs and I saw like Dave and Joe's other band disseminate. And I had this vocalist who's a really cool person um, and really cool vocals except for me, I, I heard, I heard other flavors over the music and I, and I sort of, I never, I never intended on usurping her at all. It was never something like that. Um, it was just that, um, their bass player went to Europe because he was a sound guy. He went to Europe, um, on tour and they were working on this new music that apparently hit, hit the bass player didn't like. And so they were start talking about starting a side band and, um, and yeah, I just said I'll come around and have a jam. And the thing is, what had happened though is I got up on stage with them and did it when their old band. I used to get up and do a guest vocal on some songs sometimes, just jump on stage and sing this one particular song of theirs that I thought was sick. Um, and like, I don't really want to tell this story, but I'll tell it. So, <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> um, Dave, Dave has this story because like, like we don't really talk that much now. None of men those guys we're not like tight or anything. But um, but we were once upon a time, and um, he has a story he used to tell about when we first met, and I come up to them, and I don't think it exactly went like this, but his version is along the lines of that I come up to them and said, oh, hey, man, pretty cool band, and they were like, oh, thanks. You know, after a gig, I was like, pretty cool band, and, and, like, and I'm like, yeah, your vocalist is all right too. And they said, oh, you think she, yeah, oh, yeah, cool, man, thanks. And I said, but you haven't heard me yet or something like that. Like I just fucking said some arrogant shit. Now I guarantee it would have been at that age. I was a bit of a fuck with, but um, I guarantee I would have said something along those lines, but mm. I don't think it was exactly like that. But, yeah. but anyway, that got their interest because they're just like, who is this fucking joke? Who is this joke? You know, like just some dude coming up to us. And <laughs> anyway, so I just said one day, can I get up on stage? I love that song. 
I love that demo you did. And yeah, you used to get up and then yeah, she, uh, the bass player went on holiday. They took a break from jamming with Disseminate, which was the band's name, as I said before. And yeah, I just started having a jam with them. First jam, we were like, yeah, this is fucking it. And then we had to find a bass player. And we had a couple of ideas, but Joe, Joe had been, you know, a school band called Dionysus, um, which had a, a guy who called Cam, which obviously Cam Grant became the bass player. Cam was in a band called um, Phantasmagoria, which became Magoria, which also Pepiot, who sings now, was in. So there's like a, there's like these two or three sort of like uh, bands that were like the bedrock of all the Hobart metal bands for a while there. Um, mm-hmm. um and yeah, and then they're like, oh, Cam, I think Cam's the man to come and play bass, even though he was a guitarist in um, in um, the other band. And so, yeah, he came in and tried out and straight away we're like, yeah, this is it. This is the fucking, this is the unit. So then we um, just started, yeah, working on an original music. We had a couple of songs that we got together pretty fast. They'd sort of half written them. And then once me and Cam became involved, we contributed as well in different ways. I never really come up with riffs or anything, but I come up with structures and ideas and often would like sort of prompt like, oh, where the song should go, we should have a riff like this, you know, that sort of sort of orchestration kind of shit and Cam actually come up with some legit riffs and wrote starts of songs and like the, that first few, bit of Psychoptopath and stuff on all Cam's writing. And, um, and yeah, and then we'll just, so we did that and that was just going to be a demo. Um, uh, that album was just going to be a demo and uh, and then we just thought fuck it we've got nine songs let's make it an album put it out and as soon as we put that out um, it got played there's a, there's a radio um, station out here called Triple J and it's uh, the biggest radio station in the country still is and um, mm-hmm. the metal show got behind us and started playing it and then we start straight away within a week emails coming in come and play this thing and that thing so pretty soon after Scepter came out oh, sorry Oil came out sorry we went and we started playing interstate and that's when we started that, that that was just the beginning and everything just started happening and we were just going around the country every other fucking month just touring and touring and then when scepter came out it increased by so much more and and yeah and then we started being able to say hey fucking pay us to come you know instead of going on tour and coming home fucking eating bloody you know fucking plain bread for fucking a month to live you know like you come back and actually didn't have to be like that so but yeah things changed but yeah so we so yeah so we really started playing a lot of shows after so who who approached you guys from unique leader so they obviously heard aisle and and wanted um, to sign so when we did when we did well actually so when we did um i might be wrong on this because me and me and dave when i was in the band me and dave essentially managed it and did all the all the bookings and everything we ever did so um he handled some things, I handed others, but a lot of it would share sort of those tasks. And um, and I remember like when I'll come out, man, we sent that shit out to every, like, I think we did like 40, 50 labels that we thought were worth a fucking pinch. And there was about four or five labels that come back and said, oh, not too bad. I can't remember who it was, couldn't tell you. Um, I don't know if it was unique later, but all I know is that when, when SEPTA came out, we thought we had a pretty strong, we thought we'd had a pretty strong product. We thought we'd made something kind of special. We didn't necessarily think anyone would sign us because, um, you know, we set self-released all of this disenchantment, you know, um, and still managed to get that around the world pretty well mm-hmm. from our own base. Right. So I thought maybe we can do it. Maybe in hindsight, who knows? But um, but I remember we sent, I think it was 13, 13 copies, promo copies out, and that was it because we made a mistake last time where we sent it out 
and then we hadn't waited for replies and we just put it out ourselves. And there was one dude that was like, oh, I probably would have done it, but it's already fucking out. So what's the point, you know? So we just thought we'd send them out and we'd sit on it for a bit. And I remember it was all the top ones like fucking, you know, Century Media and fucking um, Unique Leader and Roadrunner and fucking Earache and everyone, all those, the dream labels. And I remember we got interest from three or four labels straight away and Unique Leader because... Yeah, they were, they were, they were. So I don't think they reached out to us from my memory. I think they, it was purely us sending that off and they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, this, and this fits there. You know, they had that sort of sound that they were pushing a lot at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, okay, I can't remember what was already out on Unique Leader by that point, but within a year or two years, it was all that stuff like Severed Saviour, fucking um, Disgorge, fucking obviously. Obviously, I think, you know, it would have been Deeds of Flesh. Deeds of Flesh is what would have been out already for sure. And yeah. for us, for us, Deeds of Flesh were a pretty big band. Um, right. Like, sort of just, we just loved it. We just thought it was sick. We never really yeah. aspired to be like them, but, you know, fucking Mike Hamilton's drumming and shit on that stuff was, once Mike joined, I just thought he was fucking sick. And, um, um, and yeah, and then obviously, like, Spawn of Possession and fucking Pyemia, fucking the other thing that was connected to Pyemia. What was that? They had the same drum. Just about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Perceptive deception or whatever, all that stuff. So there was just so much stuff and we're just like, this is where we need to live. This is the label we need to be on. And obviously you dream of the bigger labels, but you're not going to necessarily get the same support if you're on too big of a label. So it just seemed perfect for what we wanted to do. And, Mm. uh, yeah, and fuck, man, it was, um, yeah, so we just went, yeah, let's go with fucking Unique Leader. And and then literally within a year we brought, um, me and Dave did our first um, tour as a bookers of a tour and we brought the Deeds guys to Australia and toured them and we toured with them around the country. So it was the first time meeting anyone from that family of uh, yeah. stuff. You see, it, it, I remember that you say family. Be, oh, sorry, Casey, go ahead. Oh, no. Just oh, okay. I, I was, go ahead. It's funny. It's funny that you said family because that's exactly what I was thinking because there was a, you know, there would be parties in Santa Cruz where there's members of three or four unique leader bands listening to psychroptic and just being like this shit is fucking sick you know so it's like it is family you you feel like although you're over in australia that we have this kind of brotherhood that was happening for those bands at that time we're like oh dude we're all sick and we're all on the same label we're all like there was a point where you could blindly go buy the next unique leader release and it would be sick, oh, you know? yeah fuck, fucking oath man you never had to even listen to it it was just the best and that's the thing like people like even like kc or whatever right we've been in contact via different me- means for a long time without ever really having big chats or anything but it yeah. see there was there was the <laughs> there was the, the 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 family but then there was the online family too and we're all Dude, totally so, there's a whole bunch of us that were on the um, the forum, you know, which originally oh, yeah. SMN news or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> SMN, bro. That was and so everyone, I think we were I think we were friends on MySpace too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, but, but everyone was on SMN to cover birth yeah. forum, which obviously became eventually became death metal discussion. But um, yeah. that was so. that was crazy because every fucking band that was worth a pinch of shit was on there. Like Mike Mike Majewski was on there. Fucking Casey was on there. What was I that dude's was on name? There. Joel was on there. What was the band that did Muay Thai Lady Boys or something like? What was that fucking? 
grind band from New York called, I think, the, and the bass player dude was on there. Um, anyway, ah, he was on there, whoever he was. Um, Jesse from Incinerate was on there. Um, yeah. and, um, obviously, yeah. Matt Satello was on there and uh, Mike yeah. was on there. and Just everyone, just every band. Dennis was on there. Dennis yeah. from Spawn and whatever. Yeah. It was literally every single United Leader band had at least one representative minimum on that fucking page. And everyone used to just chat and get into arguments and talk <laughs> shit. And, but it was a, such a great place to just share ideas and share what my, we my lunch hour every day was just scrolling through those forums. Yeah. Either see who was arguing or to find the new band. Yeah, yeah. There were people, that was the coolest thing. People would post like, dude, check this shit out. Then everyone would just, and it was just like, Oh, I didn't even know. And yeah, dude, like there was, it was like really good for a while. And then I feel like at the very end, it got all weird. Like it got, oh, kind of shitty. I got banned. Do you remember when I got banned? Oh, you got banned. Yeah, oh, that's dude. Dude who crazy. Ran Crucified coma, right? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, he, oh man, he was a he was a character, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, he fucking yeah. hated me because I kind of me too, dude. I kind of called out. I called out um people nowadays. All right, there's people getting literally cancelled for anything, right? Getting cancelled, and I don't really like using the phrase woke, but there's you know that a degree of wokeism that's affecting everyone's ability to just fucking exist within their own spheres, and Back then, I was I kind of made a thing to sort of say, hey, you know, some people were just being assholes on there. And I made a bit of a thing saying, hey, just chill out because one day people are going to fucking hate this. People are going to get really fucking upset about being talked to. And I remember his whole, like any fucking troll back in the day would say, oh, it's just the internet, man. People used to use that as an excuse. It's just the internet. And maybe it is an excuse. I don't know. But anyway, back then, but he, he used to fucking hate me because I'd always call him out on being a bully. And, um, and I'd tell him he was knew fucking nothing about anything and eventually he changed my name to um some fuck like pussy man or i don't know some fuck <laughs> change your name come back but i had strict rules oh, about what i was going to say oh my god oh my god dude it was that's bad, hilarious right? he's a, yeah he was an admin but he was oh yeah totally yeah. Brian, Lord, right? was that? i can't remember it was brian it was Brian somebody, definitely Brian, because he was yeah. in the scenes. I think he was friends. Do you remember fucking um, what's the dude's name that played in um, Z- um, Zealotry? I don't know. Roman? Do you remember oh, Roman? Um, that's right. Yeah. I remember that band name from the forums, though, Zealotry. Yeah, that, it, was, it was not a bad band, but he, he, I think they were like chummy and they were both like full blown, shit stirring fucking assholes. And and would yeah. just love just piling in, and I I mean I you know I'm not fucking I'm not thin skinned at all, but I just used to just call people out on shit, and here I am, and fucking whatever. So anyway, it became quite a uncomfortable joint, but it was it was yeah, it got crazy. It had you know, its heyday. Where we well, community. I mean, Joel, and we, it's kind of crazy how how many times this has been brought up on the podcast. Actually, this exact discussion, but basically, like Joel and I, I mean, we've I mean all of us, but it's like, dude back in so there was two things being younger being in your mm. like 20s and then also the internet like being or not the internet but like like that form of it like the forums and where things are at and also youtube coming out around that like around that time dude it was like so different like all the like trolling and hate were just like what is good like it was like such a more like a big deal or something but like now dude we look at it we're just like oh my god who gives a fuck like don't who don't 
you yeah. know, don't engage in any of that. Like, who gives a shit? There's, there's tons of trolls now, and there's all these dudes, and we call them kids now. They're like kids in their 20 or the kid, you know, teenagers, like going off trying to piss people off. And you're just like, dude, like, I'm way too old and tired from work to give a fuck about any of that shit. Like, like what you know but it's it used to cause this insane everyone cared so much like you said this what yeah. like, it's kind of like there's like a sort of like two-sided thing to it because yeah because now people sort of are that way less i'm oh, sorry you know heaps but people kind of don't care as much because it's more accepted but at the same time then there's a point where it becomes like your whole life gets wiped out because of something you said so yeah, back yeah. then fucking happen you never even find out who half the cunts were now it's like fucking the, the the internet police get involved and suddenly you're like exposed as a fucking as a nazi or whatever the fuck because you said one thing that was vaguely fucking offhanded 20 years ago it's like holy shit man like you can't just fucking accept some people change or evolve or whatever and i'm well especially when there are people online who are actual nazis and saying yeah. that shit all for, for totally down and you know it's like it's a big spectrum there between, you know, it's yeah, like that's, that's a big word to say, man. And that's a bad thing to be that. Yeah, I suppose so, it's a bit of fun. It's a bit exciting, yeah. I find it exciting though. You know, it's like fucking yeah. what the fuck's the everyone gets so caught up with all the yeah. rigmarole of life and all that shit. And I'm just like, man, this is what fucking this is what makes things interesting. Like crazy people with crazy ideas, like fucking everyone remembers who David Koresh is and people like that, you know, it's just like fucking you never know. Um you know, it might be crazy what people are doing, but it gives you talk, gives you stories to tell and gives you things to sing about, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I guess we are exposed to uh, how, uh, you know, the varieties of human. We're definitely, we see the possibility of what a human can be with the internet. Before the internet, we didn't have, we, we were only judging humanity by the people that were locally around us that we were actually physically coming in contact with and then we had made the social transition onto the internet and then you that's when people can hide behind their computers and be whoever they want to be in a forum (laughs) talking shit about metal bands it's like it's like real quick anthony it's like the internet's like infinity or it's like anything you can possibly think of like exists there already so like i could think of something that just I never thought of before and just google it and it's it's fucking there somewhere it is a trip it's like yeah we're the internet is like the collective brain of what humans have compiled so far it's like there's probably people who put turtles on parachutes like and (laughs) like put they don't die they just yeah they probably exist like look it up i don't know like there's definitely things that haven't been done but i understand the concept of what you're saying yeah I mean, give it 10 years. It's like a cat that's crawled inside of the leg of a rhinoceros and then chopped the leg off from above it with a circular saw and then jumped yeah. into a log slide and sitting down and fucking flown off into the fucking sunset as a fucking stork's coming in and fucking taking it in its arms and embraced it and kissed it as they both dive into the ocean and landed inside of a whale's stomach. It's just never happened. Yeah, great. but you could just say that to an AI <laughs> fucking program now and they'll fucking do the whole animation for you. <laughs> just, don't use that DBA word with me, mate. You should have just took. I'm going to take what you just said. I'm going to transcribe it. And I'm going to put it into Chat GPT and see what happens. Do it. Yeah. yeah. I just, but yeah, oh fuck, man. Don't even do it. But yeah, so yeah. yeah so, all right. Let's, um, yeah. But yeah. I've got so, yeah. You bring it back to, uh, yeah. 
timeline a bit. So, so out of the weeds here, right. back on, on the path you're, here. You're with Unique Leader. And how long did you tour Scepters? Um, so, I mean, until the end of when I was, I mean, we sort of, it's kind of different. Like, I don't know, it's whether it's Australian thing or whether it's just what we did, but like bands in Australia, you know, like I think it's a bit of a thing in other parts of the world where you put an album out and you tour on that album. Whereas here, you just tour, you don't even have to have an album cycle. You just fucking tour, play some gigs, do some gigs, play some new songs at the gig. You know, a lot of people will save it up for the, when it comes out, but we used to just gig and then we released the album. We toured on the, on that for a bit. And then we wrote a couple of new songs and we used to play a couple of those live and, um, and, um, and whatever. And obviously they never got recorded. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then we, but you know, you just spice those into your set list, but here we, we just toured for about, I guess it came out and I was in the band for another three years after that, give or take. And mm-hmm. um, we just did heaps of gigs around here and whatever. And then, um, and that was fucking it. So, but yeah. That we, was it. Just never left Australia. Never. Uh, never left. Always planned to. Always so, wanted to. There was a US tour planned for right at the end before I left. And that's kind of where the band, it's part of the reason the band split up because some, some fucking lies were getting told. But um, fucking, um, but prior to that, there was the, that sort of where I knew, where I think everyone knew that things were difficult was because there was a European tour we got offered and I couldn't do it for a variety of reasons. Um, and there's a lot of stories about why I couldn't do it, but most of them aren't true. Um, some of them have an element of truth, but there's, um, but yeah, I couldn't do it. And that's when they took Pepe as a, as a fill-in singer. And then they came back, we did a few more shows and then it turned out that they'd been discussing with him um, unbeknownst to me, that maybe back him joining his full-time vocalist because he was a bit—he's a bit of an easier person to deal with. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that's how that came about. Yeah. Well, I mean, my thing is this, dude. It, it you just got to cherish, you know, the time that you guys did have fun together as as a group, you know, and and sometimes things just get to a point where people need to move on and do something different, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was happy. It was didn't bother me. I think, I think that it was the band who suffered from me leaving, to be honest. I don't want to sound like a cunt, but like what I had planned for the next album would have been insane and it would have probably gone down as, I think it would have been better than Scepter. Um, but it wasn't, um, seems a failure. It was aptly titled. No, joking. But, um, fucking, um, it's, yeah, it seems a failure is okay, but it's pretty, pretty average compared to what it would have been, what the ideas we had for the band at the time. Um, and um, they're probably happy with it and proud of it, but I just, I, I never listen to any of that. I, I always listen to each album they put out one time. Um, and if it's good, there'll be a song or two that I'll think, yeah, that's cool. There's one or two songs they put out. I think the second last album that I thought were quite good. Um, but I generally think it's pretty boring what they do these days. So I'm quite happy not to be in that band. They've played events I never would have played. And they um, and they do music. They've done songs that I think are fucking pass. So um, it's happy for me. I'm, I'm I'm very happy for me to be out of that band. Um, and I'm happy for them to for all the success they've had since I left. Um, you know, because it was a it was a choice. Like at the end of the day, like I could have easily, you know, stuck my flag in the ground and said, "No, nah, man, this is our band. You you either break we either break it up or whatever." Because you know we all created together. We all had um, mm-hmm. equal control over it. But I just went, "No, you guys." I don't want to hold it back. And I just said, I'm just, if this is how, if you guys are feeling a bit funny about me being in the band, I'm fucking out. And I'm pretty good at just burning bridges like that. So I just fucking went, see you later. Um, and, you know, we talked for a bit after that and then it got funny for, we pretty much didn't speak for about six years after that. Um, there was a couple of months where we spoke and then it, and then it got funny, got real sort of 
hectic for a while um, because that band was kind of all our lives, you know, like it was massive, it was everything. And it was big. The band was big, you know, like you guys knew of it over there, but in Australia we were we were big and we were doing big shows and festivals and, you know, in magazines and on the radio all the time. So it was it was, mm-hmm. it was was a pretty big deal and, and I gave up a huge amount of my life and, and money and time and, and all those guys, when we were still in the band, those guys were all still living at home, man. Like they were living there with their parents so they had a bit more freedom, whereas I had a house and I was fucking paying rent and doing shit and then I bought a house and I was paying that off. So I had all these like yeah. restrictions that were stopping me and those guys didn't. So it was just, there was a bit of a, we hit an impasse and it's good. I think it's fucking awesome. Like, like a lot of people say, Oh, I wish you were still in the band. And I was like, yeah, well you do. I, I'm glad I'm, I, I never regret anything, man. I, I don't wish, I wish that I'd done one more, one more album because I had this lyric, like the next album was going to be one, uh, one long concept. And I had this whole uh, lyrical idea mapped out and it was, and it was, I think it was pretty special. I, I was pretty proud of it. Um, but not so proud. Not you a- just left that alone and you didn't incorporate it into anything else that you did later. Wow, that's so that's a hard one, there. dude. It's still as a writer there. myself. I I would just you know it, it it'd be hard to have this whole thing and then not ever bring it to fruition. Well, it's sitting there. It's still in my mind. I know. I, I remember all the oh. concept and all the stuff. And I'd love to fucking. I still may apply it on something one day. I've got a couple of new <clears throat> projects that I'm working on, and who knows? Because I've still got I've still got plenty of you know like I've, I'm I'm a better vocalist now than I've ever been. So I'm not like. I haven't lost anything there, so I'll, I'll keep doing that till I sound like fucking Chris Barnes. Um, and uh, fucking, um, and uh, although who is a massive influence for me, by the way, I'm just going to give him props. Well, Whilst I'm, once, one hand I'm slapping his face because he's fucked, the other side, like Tomb of the Mutilated, is the you're talking about. Yeah, love it, dude. Yeah, um, me and you are in the same exact camp. It'd be cool if there was like, ah, oh, man. It's like, have, have you heard the Chris Barnes version of Vile? and all that yeah It'd be really cool to hear some tracks of that stuff with you too you know but i feel like man like i mean we, i mean not just on the podcast interviewing people but it's such a common like story in bands like you're dude there's so much gnarly emotion and drama that goes in and you devote your life to these bands and when i dude when i i mean left decrepit and all the times of all that and there were we had so much drama man it was like crazy you know like dude there are some moments that were brutal so well, the problem is, the problem yeah. is like we, were, we lived you know in hobart it's a small place man so yeah like, so you're like you know, it's, it's 10 minutes away like i was i was yeah. going to their house four or five days a week every week so it wasn't like it wasn't like um you know we were just having rehearsal once or twice a week and doing shit we lived with like we basically lived with each other we were with each other every day rehearsing talking about stuff to do with the band but we also loved all the same sort of tv shows and music and stuff so we'd We'd yeah. back, you know, we'd sit down around and listen to the CDs together and tapes together, and we'd do that like all week, every week, man. Like we were doing that shit, and uh, so we were we were like best friends and a band as well. So we were, it was it was a it was a pretty big deal for it to sort of go that way because, you know. But I, I mean, I, I get it. I'm fucking I'm hard work. I'm not like a I'm not a um, you know, some little fucking pussy that's kind of just. There's plenty of times where I pissed the fucking band off because I fronted up someone at a gig who treated us like maybe not paid us right or something like that and other people would just go and bitch about it where i'd just fucking sort of go up and deal with it in my own way and they maybe they didn't like that but um you know like i wasn't like bashing people but i was i was uh very forthright in my opinion on things and whatever so uh you know I'm, i can be an embarrassment but i'm not sure if that <laughs> and i'm not i'm not sure if that's fucking um hey man um, I'm not sure if that's to my oh it is to my detriment. It's been to my detriment, but I prefer to 
I've said this a million times in my life. I prefer people to respect what I fucking say and do rather than like me. If they think I'm a cunt, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, as long as you understand that everything I do is because I keep true to myself, you know, like I don't fucking let other people, um, yeah, change my shit. I always listen to other people's opinions and I'm always open to stuff. But I mean, like in situations where a lot of other people would walk away, I don't, I don't usually do that. And so that can be annoying for a band who just want to leave a venue and I'm still standing at the door going, hey, man, that's fucking bullshit. Or, or maybe I'll go to a restaurant and say, hey, man, I'm fucking, I don't eat meat. Um, why the fuck is that supposed vegan option got fucking oyster sauce in it or you know whatever so you know like they that was probably embarrassing too hmm. well i mean we've already spent an hour and a half with you i don't think you're a cunt dude so you're all good, <laughs> good one, Anthony. Yeah, i haven't got that much fucking long. i hope these guys told you i haven't got that long i've got to fucking go in like yeah uh, so talk about the- talk about more of your your musical endeavors right yeah dude so i kind of wanted i wanted to uh, that's where i was going to go with my shit and anyways too is so um psychoptics now in the past how long before you start jamming with other people so i already had a band going at the time um so i was drumming in a band called msi not to be confused with the other msi and man i've got too many stories for you guys because the other msi the big msi mindless self and selfless indulgent indulgence whatever the fuck they're called they tried to sue us they tried to get us to change our name but we were around first so it's just there's nothing they could do but we literally when we started we were getting emails from them real chummy like hey man we've started this band we noticed we were looking on the internet and there's a another msi in australia that's fucking cool and they were all chummy and then they you know got big all of a sudden they're like oh we want you to change your name and then we were like nah man it's totally different music don't worry about it and then they're like we're going to fucking sue you. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. Um, so uh, that never happened, obviously. I said, go go ahead, see if you can um, see if you can sue someone for an acronym. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll find that there's, there's not too many things, acronyms that you can, unless you've created some weird shit, you can't, you can't copyright an acronym. So right. you can copyright, you know, if it was called MSI services, sure. If it was MSI computer parts like that, that exists now, that's fine. But if it's fucking MSI, that's it. No, man, can't do it. So eat it. Um, so we just sort of, we were nice and then we were mean. And then anyway, so that was like a sort of brutal death metal. We were doing kind of slam stuff in Australia before pretty much anyone else was doing slam and in fact, getting sort of bagged out for it because everyone thought we were kind of a joke for a while. Not really, but like locally people loved us, but whenever we tour, people would be like, this is stupid. Um, and just sucking, you know, they just thought it was like lowest common denominator shit, but we were just, cause I was always mad into my brutal stuff. Like I loved tech and i love black metal but i just love my like you know devourment and fucking burial and fucking all that kind of like slammy fucking you know internal bleeding is one of the biggest bands internal bleeding the first two albums from internal bleeding are two of my favorite and most influential albums ever i love that shit especially fucking bill tolly's drumming on that shit just so cool so that's oh, yeah. a lot of the drumming that i did in that in msi was this that you know like that fucking you know like just fucking like syncopated um fucking kicks but like you know the first the first bar it's like you know like in fucking second and fourth bar it was double speed and all that shit you know uh i just i still can um like epoch of barbarity fucking i still think about that um some of the drum patterns in that anyway so so i was drumming in that band and writing most of the music on guitar and um doing backing vocals so we did that for a couple years and then i started a black metal band that eventually became called Isoclan. 
and I released the, it was basically just me. It was a solo album. I played everything except drums. And uh, when, when Mephistopheles was recording their first album before, well before I joined, I released that. So I started my own record label in 2006 called Southern Extreme. Oh, oh that's cute. Um, Sorry. So, um, my bad. I should what? not do this. Um, what is going on? Someone, Joseph took, a, took the wheel here. It got a little crazy. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about that. No, just joking. So 2006, I started Southern Extremities Productions, a record label, and we released, our first release was the Mephistopheles debut. And those guys, it was a bit of a thing because they were all young as fuck. Sam was, fifth, the drummer was like 15, 16. Um, Benny, the guitarist, was 16, 17. And the other guy was 18. So I was like the new up-and-coming young band. And I did some guest vocals. And, and while I were in the studio, I got the drummer just to record the drums on this black metal thing, Isoclan. So that was that album, Frozen Dimensions, that I put out back then. And uh, so I had there yeah, those two bands, my main bands, and then I was playing bass in a band. I sort of joined Born Headless. There's a band out here called Born Headless. I was playing bass in that for a while and, and drumming in some. I, was, I had like fucking six, seven bands going. So I was just, I was always making music. I never stopped, never have yeah. stopped. I've been the least prolific lately, but. I just kept doing lots of bands. It never really did as much. I would just lazy cunts, you know. We'd start doing an album, get halfway into it, and like, oh, yeah, we'll finish that later. Now, I've literally got, I'm not joking, I've got fucking 13 albums with different bands that are just sitting in the studio somewhere unfinished. I'm not joking. It's like, it's fucking embarrassing, but that's just my life. That's the way I am. Just look behind me. That's the way I am. I just a fucking, I'm a bum. I do, I do a lot of shit. I take too much on and I do too much and I, I end up missing out on... Um, I miss out on doing creative stuff when I should focus on that, but I've only got so much focus and I just can't, I can't give all to it to everything. So there's a lot of pretty cool albums that no one will ever hear maybe ever. I don't know, but uh, hopefully one day yeah. some of them. Um, yeah, but, I hope, dude. But yeah, there's so that much. I was going to say. You want to hear some of it, dude. Well, eventually I joined Mephistopheles and that's where I kind of put my focus for the last, until about two or three years ago because the band's kind of in a, extended hiatus that I don't think we'll ever come back from. Um, but, and that's just literally to do with logistics like Ben, like we're all still great mates and no problems in any way. It's just the guitarist moved up to the north of the state to farm fucking hemp or some shit. So he's fucking up there married. Now he's married and he's fucking cuddling fucking hemp in bed or some shit, whatever he's doing. But um, I, um, yeah, so we did Mephistopheles and uh, yeah, thanks Leonard Washington. I appreciate that comment. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, I appreciate it as well. Even wow. though before I was yeah, in the band, I still appreciate that shit so much, dude. The coming across the severed EP was a pinnacle thing for me, and and I still love that old recording. That way shittier production than the songs we redid with Servile. Oh, just love, just forced to bleed that. original. You're saying just the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Forced to bleed is about that. Just it just. Awesome. It to takes me back to a time in my life where I'm a young buck, you know. That's a good name. Forced to bleed. That's a good. Yeah, forced to bleed, dude. It's like, oh, damn, that means a lot of crazy shit. <laughs> I forgot. This I've is got... Oh yeah. There you go. This is partially the you know why why the bottom was tanked a second ago. Anyway, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see. The um, uh, Savior that. I've got the original, the very first pressing, which had the spelling mistake on the forced to believe. I've got it. I got it when it came out. Isn't that cool? I think someone in the band traded it with me, I think, actually. And and I don't know, somebody sent it to the shirt. It might have even been someone in the band. I don't know. But someone sent it to me. 
and um, this is obviously a force to bleed and I've had it and I, and I literally was just looking through because I just had a shower before the um, show and I was thinking, oh, yeah, because um, what shirt, you know, what shirt am I going to I've got 650 T-shirts or something. What shirt am I going to wear? And I was just scrounging through my cupboard and I, I found this one and, and I went, yeah, that's that's a, that's a suitable shirt to put on for the Perfect, show. Perfect, mm-hmm. I just thought it. a bit of a tip of a hat, but this is my favourite. No offence to any song. No, creator. none taken, dude, none taken. I like, I like all the all the albums to a point, but this is my favorite. Um, it's it's just more basic and more, um, it's got a little bit of that slammy element, a little bit more sort of just, just crunchy, you know, it's when bands are finding their feet, there's a lack of, um, sort of clarity and a lack of, um, purity to it, but there's also twice as much purity. It's like, there's a, you can hear all their influences bubbled that have bubbled around and have come out via fucking right. You can yeah. tell there's something, yeah. yeah, there's something bubbling the spirit, up. That the spirit is strong in this one. All the skill and talent yeah. is there. It, they're almost, yeah, just they've they've got something that's supposed to that's they got to get out, and this is the best way they can get it out at that time. Yeah. Whereas I think there's some is and there's it's like with a lot of bands, you know, like of that era, you know, like so Disgorge, for example, like for me. Um, Sheila Gadd my favourite Discord album. Um, although I like stuff before and I like stuff after, um, it's my favourite. By by, but I think musically, I think Parallels is sick. I think if Matty Wade, yeah, someone, against Levi, because you I know, stood here and Diego stayed at my place and all that sort of stuff. So you know, I've spent time with those guys and they're fucking legends, and I still think he's sick. But Matty Wade was, a, yeah, he's a big deal vocal wise, and yeah. Um, and if he'd sung on parallels, I think it would maybe be my favourite. But but Sheila got it is just ridiculous. And 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 then there's like yeah. Diesel Flash, I think got better. And then hit about mid mid era, I think got it got real good. And even like, but then again, like, and it's no offence to anyone because I'll just be honest, man. I'm always going to be honest. Is like decrepit, right? I listen to fucking End Time Begins, and that's it. That's the only album. I yeah, no, I, yeah, that's yeah. We know, we know. It's fine. Okay. I just I don't <laughs> like about any. It's got. Matt got too caught up listening to Atheist or Sonal Death or something. I don't know. Um, oh, totally, dude. Yeah, this the style, dude. When I was in the band, people were saying. I mean, people were coming up to shows and saying that too. You know, it's it's not for everyone. The the, I still the changes. Cool, like, yeah, absolutely. no, no totally, dude. No disrespect to any of those bands. It's not I'm a surprise that I'd say that. It's like totally, yeah. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. It's fucking and Tim Tim Young, dude. I I still think it's my favorite one too. One hundred percent. Not even. I mean, obviously, like. Dude, dude, I love "In Time Begins," man. That album's so yeah. cool. It's, yeah. It's, it's such an integral, incredible release. Yeah. And, and totally, I, I heard all the different stories about how it was recorded and how Tim did his drumming parts and whatever. But that drumming on that album was the first. So that was that was an evolutionary point. I think it's like you can go back to like certain points with death metal and metal over the journey, and there's certain albums and certain moments where you go that set a new standard and i think around that time you've got obviously kevin tally um some of his playing especially mm-hmm. on fucking um uh what's the misery in right destroy the opposition is like an all dying fetus oh yeah dying fetus yeah yeah and um yep like doug bone on fucking pierce from within and fucking you know yeah uh, and uh tim on that fucking end time begins and uh, the only one that I was bummed out about was freaking Derek on um, um, on um, what's the first Gorgasm Stabwood Intercourse? Yeah, 
What was the story that he fucking didn't really play the feet on it? He just had a couple of fucking. I think I think that was the yeah, a couple of drum trigger pads. That's what uh, I heard. Oh, Derek Hoffman is it? No, not Hoffman. No, not Hoffman. I don't know. But think, anyway, no, I think you're right. I think that that's his name. I mean, Damien may have uh, mentioned that on the, his yeah. episode too. I fucking love that. That's my favorite. US. Well, well, I was gonna, I was just gonna give Casey his flowers once again and just say that when we all, um, why do I get? We're exposed but... to and time begins, you know, pretty early since we're in the Bay and they were in Santa Cruz and we were all keen on Unique Leader, um, running into each other at shows and and coming across that album. That's always a pinnacle for pretty much any of us that came across that album. And then you hear the the stories about how it was recorded. And then you have this human being, Casey Howard, that brought it to the live, helped it bring it to a live setting because he yeah. he actually humanized. But, yeah, but, human but it wasn't it wasn't that it was inhuman, it was just that it was so technical and like overly like it was like deeds of flesh on crack or something and whatever you know like suffo sped up meets deeds of flesh on crack or something like so it was like the thing was i mean i remember matt talking about like like tim being in santa cruz and just like he was playing with i, I guess vital remains at the time or something and he was like yeah i'm going to show you some like dechristianized stuff like that we're doing or like you know i wasn't i can't remember when that album came out but it was around that time they were putting that and he's just like blasting like on this kit it's like like matt was like dude it's like the craziest shit just watching tim play some of those beats like that just right in front of him so like tim was a is and still oh he's like a beast and obviously he's one of the greatest and so like it's like yeah, that's him i mean like there's there's things that are you know like all the parts are like you know because it's so super technical it's like let's all these mixed parts but like for the most part though i mean like dude that's like I mean, and you see all the guys now that's like they're playing like 300 beats a minute, doubles on their feet, and all this crazy, insane shit. So it's like you just got to do Tim was just full beast mode, man. And just like he can do that. Shit. Tim is a freaking animal, you know, and um, it was just the perfect nature of all the technical parts being so the way it was written, like the time begins, the way it's put together is just so insane. Like the, the way it's like a puzzle. that's like just shifted around in this. Ins- it's like deeds of flesh, like how but it's totally different anyways the point is that when i had to learn that shit i was just trying so hard to like do justice to like how it was written on the album because i'm like i have to like try to play like a machine like it was like so ridiculous you know like but i did my best man you know thank you for the props but i don't that's not what this is about right now but like i'm just saying that tim is what it's about dude tim young (laughs) is still to this day one of my favorite members of all time like I'll hop I mean, in if I can, because yeah. I just did a, a album cycle with Last of Lucy where I wasn't on the record, but I was like, I supported the record or whatever. And then you do have this whole, like anytime anything is sold, that's, you know, based on the record or they want you to sign it. You're like, I should probably tell them it's like not me in case they care about that stuff or whatever. It's just like a little bit of like psychological thing, but you have to like reinterpret the material you get and you kind of just have to own it. But I mean, with Decrepit, it was kind of a unique thing where like it literally hadn't been played like a whole song would never have been played until you tried. Like Tim had never like sat through and played any of those songs in full. So you do get the credit in a way that he, you know, it is Tim on the record for sure. Like I get that. But there's something added that even I didn't do. I like 
I'm sure that Brandon had played all those songs live before I saw him, but then you still just hop in and yeah. So that's like kind of the nature of drumming though. Like drumming switches a lot more between projects than other people. So I don't know. Yeah. Especially if you're halfway decent. Yeah. Maybe even if you shit, I don't know. But um, fucking yeah, like that that drumming on that. Yeah, because I always heard that shit. Like he just played set. That was basically like, yeah, right, play that bit to me. Da da da. Yeah, play the next bit. Da-da-da. That's that's how it was recorded, right? Just in just in cut, 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 cut. Right. That's correct. That in time begins. It was never. Um, was- you know, um, I'd have to. You know, it's Matt could answer that question. Actually, on our decrepit episode, we did like episode two or something like that. Matt talks about it, but and I don't want to put words in his mouth, too, but. Think. But, but I mean, just like anyone records stuff in sections now, like I think it was more like chunks of the song and then things just like, I mean, basically a lot of recordings are, I mean, you can play the whole song through in one take and all that's fucking badass. But I think I, again, I th- what I got told, cause I remember talking about, about it to him back then to Matt, uh, I'm sure that he fucking told me that he was like sort of learning it on the spot. Like he wasn't, he never even fully. Oh it. yeah. Well, there's also, so there's differences in the songs too. So th- this is a big part of, and this is anyways, uh, what I should say is that there are some songs like, like the song rebirth of consciousness, which has never been played live. It was forbidden to be played. It was like the most ridiculous fucking song, like <laughs> ridiculous, like just listen to that. Go listen to rebirth of consciousness. Like it. Yeah. And so, th- and also you have to understand too, that Matt had electronic versions of all the songs with like crazy drums, like fake drums, like before Tim like came to do the album and they are insane. Like there are way crazier than in time begins. Like, like so like 300 beats a minute shit. Like I can't I remember. Like, exactly. I feel like I heard some of it. Cause I know yeah. was, we were very in contact back in those times. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. mostly Matt and Dave, but oh, we were all kind of, you know, like in this little pocket. Cause yeah. there was a point where it was like, wanted to come and play second guitar for Psychropic. Like he, he, he asked if he could really, yeah. I think Dave was going to try out for decrepit too, or something like whatever crazy. I can't even remember dude. It's, it's all these, I know George Collius was actually, it's pretty funny. He talked about that on the episode completely insane. But the point is that like, uh, yeah, what, it, what did George talk about George was going to play for decrepit. Yeah, right. Interesting. Or, and then, and then, like, yeah, it was like way back. It was before I did. Yeah. Anyways, it's just totally insane, dude. I don't know, but because I just I don't know why, but I feel like some of those dudes, like George and that, would be the sort of people that wouldn't even know about any of these bands. That's how it feels. Yeah. yeah they well, just they'd just be like playing. They play in a couple of really extreme bands that they don't actually listen to extreme music or something. Have you like. have you heard Sickening Horror though? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was like doing that stuff at the time, you know, and totally different kind of thing but super teched out and crazy you know but like um but i remember like matt was just always like dude dave like the psychroptic drummer is like the one he i maybe that's not what it was maybe dave wasn't gonna do it it was that matt thought dave was like the best drummer in the world or something like that like like matt was just like that guy that when he heard scepter he, he was just like matt was just like this is the greatest like this drummer is insane you know and you know but yeah i don't know i i, I just think that like and I've talked to Dennis about this a lot too, and talks about like style of drumming. Like, there's something about certain drummers though that just they have like this edge and a sound and a, I hate to use this word brand, but like just like this like identity is a way better word to use. So Tim Young has an identity in his drumming. When you listen to Conquering the Throne, you listen to Spiritual Holocaust, or when he's dude, that's totally way way before. L- listen to the Hate Eternal demos from like '96, '97 with Tim's like 
18 or some shit or 17, whatever the fuck age he was. Dude, there's a way that Dave or that Tim, specifically Tim, like cuts into his blasts and the way that he approaches. Yeah, yeah. It's he's a fucking sushi master ninja fucking <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like I I mean like it like it's a sword. It's like just just like this perfect. He he's still I don't know he's probably I mean George came later and of course Derek Roddy the legends all these guys but Tim's like probably is still my favorite death metal drummer I think like if I really had to pick one mm-hmm. and and honestly Dave Haley too like those guys dude like out of control like I just neither, can't you know neither of those guys are probably in my top ten but really um, are, wow. like in terms of extreme drummers yeah uh, double bass masters I would say they're up there yeah. Right? Oh no, I'm talking about like that. Yeah, obviously, like Sean Reinert and like you know Gene Hoagland, like you know, te- you know, well-rounded different stuff. But I mean, like for just like straight up, like for if you're gonna put a guy on and time begins, like Tim Young's kind of pretty badass. There's a guy from Australia. His name's Ewan Harriet. Um, he played on Abramlin's debut album, and that, that drumming performance is one of the greatest death metal drumming performances ever heard in nice. the history humankind and then it's not death metal but there's a guy skits matt skits sanders from australia who's probably the greatest drummer from australia he's another one that would just just they're, they're in my fucking top echelon of just crazy drummers in that world but and it's nothing to do with the bass and they just were a bit more interesting than but all my favorite drummers from around the world like the extreme guys are are all kind of weird they've got some weird element to what they do but but tim tim was up there and i remember like even just seeing him play fucking rapture on that live footage Oh my fucking yeah, dude! I know. Oh my fucking yeah, God. that too. And on top of it, he fucking does the whole showboat thing, which is crazy cool too, man. And like, I don't know. And the way his drums sound, like when I saw him with Vital Remains, and like, dude, I don't know. And Tim is a friend of mine, but yeah. I mean, I don't know him super well, but he's a friend of mine, and like, he's like one of I'm like huge fan, man. It's crazy. He's a player fucking, and a fucking performer. Yep. Fucking, yeah. Shit, shit, I don't know. I'm frozen. Right, let's, I want to want to bring it back to you, Chucky. So um, we've we talked about all these bands, but I also want to talk about your writing. And um, are you a reader? And and what? Where did you decide to start writing in life? You know, uh, when I was young, I was I was a big reader, big big reader. I'd often consume a whole book in a day, sort of guy, and. Um, Read a lot, watched a lot. I watch a lot, a lot of movies, TV shows, whatever. But I was always pretty like mentally creative, creating universes and ideas without ever of hearing or reading about them or whatever. I was just that's just the way I've always been. And you know, like I could just sit down and t- create a whole fucking universe of ideas right now, right here, no problems. Just endless streams of concepts just flows from my brain at all times. So there's no. It's always just been part of who I am for whatever reason. I don't know why. But, yeah, I was a big reader when I was young. I don't read at all now, really. I've got a bunch of books that I still mean to read. I still read, like, every maybe every couple of years I'll read a book. Um, but I don't read at all now. I just watch a lot of movies and watch a lot of and like old movies. I don't really watch much new stuff. I just watch classic cinema stuff. Old, old like a lot, Most of the movies I watch are from the 50s and 60s and stuff. So um, mm-hmm. I watch a lot of old cinema and just... I don't know. I don't really know where I draw influence from in that regard, but I I know that every time I do a new band, I I try and find a different angle to approach the the, the idea of writing lyrics. So I, I don't want to. I just don't want to do what's already been done. That's sort of what happened with Psychoptic. You know, I remember just reading heaps of other lyrics and just going, like I, I was writing other lyrics like that in other bands, death metal, 
gory, murderous, fucking cynic, sinister, fucking crazy shit. And that was fun. I do find it fun. And I was doing some like sort of, you know, like comedic death metal stuff that I found really fun. That's some of the most fun stuff to, to rhyme, to rhyme when you can rhyme come with drum or something like that. But um, <laughs> with fucking Psychoptic, you know, it was a serious band. So I was like, I've got to write um, something that's more, um, just a little bit more highbrow, I guess. I don't know. It was just what I was interested in. So I, I went pretty fucking creative and just let my um, juices go. And same with so when, when you write, um, is it kind of like a process where it's just a free fro, free, like free flow thing that you're doing in the moment and then you pick it apart and sculpt it? Or do you go at it immediately with a po- poetic attitude? Instantly I write. So basically what I do when I structure a song, I, re- I figure out my patterns first. Mm-hmm. I figure out where I'm going to sing. So I'll, I'll sing a song fucking hundreds of times, just figure out where I want to make the noises. And then when I write the lyrics, I just sit down and I'll just go, and then I'll just fucking write the lyrics to fit it, which is sort of the funny thing. A lot of people, I guess, they see some of the rhyming. There's a bit of rhyming here and there in some of my songs because I kind of try and bring that traditional poetry element to the writing without it being the main focus i just want that to be part of what i do just i don't know i just i just think it's i just like you know tipping my hat to the to the forefathers you know um and yeah basically i um yeah i'll sort of write from uh, i'll just yeah write as i go along and it just flows out of me i just write write each line as i get there usually i'll have a concept as i start the song of what it's going to be about but sometimes i'll change it midway through and sometimes Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that I it's I don't really want to get into it because I don't have enough time right now left to t- to really go into it. But um, is that every song that I write for Psychoptic has a three meanings. Um, and, three meanings each. Yeah, okay. every every song has is triple layered, and people I, I was ho- kind of hoping yeah to get to that point if we we're going to I don't know whatever I don't give a fuck what we talk about. I'm just saying like if it was going to come out that was something I was going to talk about, but I don't really have time. But it's um it's it, there's like an easter egg in each song each set of lyrics has a has two different alternate meanings beyond the story itself so there's three wow. meanings it's got a story it's got a narrative and then it's got something that the story it's got actually like it could be a psychological condition or a whatever and then it's got a another element that's hard to explain without me digging into it really deeply but oh, it's a lot well. of something that i was hoping I, did, I guess i just thought 20 years later people would figure it all out but no one has so <laughs> i still get people messaging me saying what was this fucking song about man what was that and i'm like you're teasing the fuck out of me right now bro i yeah. really would love to hear this now <laughs> yeah sorry i would like yeah i just i've got to go over i've got to yeah unfortunately i'm going to play some sport and i am the oh nice so I need to okay so then then so you have to part promise two. Us a part two so you we can go yeah, more in depth on that part two at some point we can dig into the lyrical concepts or whatever i'm more than happy I would love with that, that. So I'm, I'm that's i could talk about that a fair bit and even just whether or not it's interesting just my uh, the way i create in general and the sort of i've got a few projects on the go now that other people yeah. might be interested in so but but yeah the lyrical stuff is there's a lot of little secrets but i'll tell one little secret right Anyone that has, um, a lot of people don't know this, anyone that has a copy of Scepter of the Ancients that they bought from the band, um, if you've never put your CD into your into your computer, into a CD-ROM, go and do it because you, you probably don't even know, but there's a heap of fucking hidden shit on there. Mm. 
All right. I'm going to be Fuck doing it. that now. Yeah. Shit. That's if you've got the proper version, though. The unique leader version may not have it, but if you've, ah. got, the, huh. if you've got the, we we put like a special hidden, and we never told anyone. It doesn't say anything about it on the album. It's just if you put it in, is you know, we just thought some people might rip their CD, you know, and we thought people would turn it on and be like, "Whoa, what's all this fucking shit?" There's like little secret. There's some photos that people wouldn't have seen and extra stuff from the time. And and uh, I just, yeah. Dude, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that I have it, but I didn't get it from you guys, so I don't, I don't think I. Check it out. I'm not sure. I don't think they added that layer. I think they were too cheap or something. No, no. I think we said that we. I think we said we wanted to keep it for our release that, to make it a bit more special. There's also. Yeah, yeah. I think there is something special on Isle as well, but there's definitely, definitely, um, there's definitely something on like a, a multimedia component on on Scepter and it's. Yeah, I just wanted to say that, people, if you've got the fucking that version, go and put it in the computer because you'll get a bit of a fucking bunch of shit you never knew about. And a bit of Anybody a who's listening to this and you have a physical yeah. copy, go test it, dude. And any of, come any back of, to us with results if you have them. Any of the four people that are watching right now. <laughs> this probably is a good venue to reach people who would have that CD, though. Oh, yeah. yeah, I had a bunch of people. I, I posted that I was doing this podcast on my fucking page. And so there was a fucking huge amount of people responded. So if any of them are listening, they might be a lot of Aussie people. So they will probably have that version. So, um, but yeah, so um, yeah, well, I mean, that's really all I've got time. I've got to go pretty much in a minute. So yeah. All right, dude. yeah. Thank well, you so much. Oh, man. good. Dude, this is yeah, awesome. No doubt. Yeah. Thanks, Chalky. Um, yeah. We'll do, we'll, we'll keep in touch about the part two. I'd like to go more in depth, dude. Yeah. I just want to say thanks Apes, for um, uh, offering this, opportunity for me to come and talk i don't like i said i generally don't do with them but you guys are all fucking cool and you've done cool shit and it's not even about that it's just about this is like i said it's that fucking connect reconnecting family stuff old yeah. school stuff it's, it's it's a lot of my formative years of making music was in that early unique leader family style stuff and and all the people i used to talk to were all that crew and it's uh it's kind of cool to reconnect in that way but also you know like obviously i've spoken to my or at least joseph and kc a bit obviously online um, and, um, you know, like, you know, I always keep half an eye on what everyone's doing. So it's good to be able to connect like this. And like I said, I'm more than happy to, if, if it's of interest to anyone, come back and talk more in depth about lyrics and about, and about just my general concepts and just my other weird shit that I think about the world. If you want to really fucking get, shake people up. Then. <laughs> I'll leave you with one real little Easter egg is Diego told us today for the Discord set that Divinely Vomit plays, he's adding descending and parallels those two tracks That's to the set nice, this year man. so parallels hey, diego, is coming back did diego tell you that i'm the one that showed defeated sanity to him no way i'll tell i'll I'm i'll debrief him i'm the conduit for defeated sanity and the tech and the connection with discord because they stayed at my house oh sorry diego stayed here they played in tasmania and i ran the show for them and they were here and i'm like have you guys heard a few things and i was showing them some cds and i showed them defeated sanity pretty sure it was the first one or the second one i can't remember what year that was but it was it was either psalms or i think it was psalms and i remember him and, ed, and fucking ed just going what the fuck is this shit and like yeah. to know all about it so so i i'm very proud to say that that was their first i just remember seeing their face and that was it because I, I showed them other stuff and they're just like oh yeah cool man yeah that's fucking cool yeah yeah not bad chucky yeah not bad and then i'm like yeah put that on and they're just whoa fucking <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is this yeah yeah, dude. Everybody has that same reaction, yeah. dude. So, so, I just, well, 
Shout out to you guys. Shout out to Defeated Sandy. Shout out to Discord. Shout out to the Unique Leader family and and the reunion we get. And shout out to the Psychroptic. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. The Spawn of Possession Chalky era. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that at all either, too. That that's got to be squeezed into the part two as well. Yeah, mate. Yeah. It sounds good. I got. Oh look at this. Look at this, Joey. Please mention the SOP rehearsal video from like 2009. Yeah. It's yeah. been done, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> look at him. Look at him. Yeah, so, so see what Marlon, you see Marlon there? Suppose, yeah, yeah. Supposedly we're doing something together. Check that out. Nice. Hell yeah. Shout out to nice. Marlon, aka okay, Mr. Glooms. Fuck All right. yeah. All right, peace out, man. Awesome, Have man. a good game. Cool, Chucky. guys. Yeah, dude. And uh, let's wrap it up and say we love you guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, plug yep. the plugs. We'll, just Battleforge Co- yeah. Battle Coffee, Calidas Podcast, Cartel.com. And, uh, and, and I love you. <laughs>